Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 54 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And I have a really big episode. We have four different people we're going to speak with today. Um, I know a lot of requests came in for middle to back of the pack kind of motivational type interviews. So um, we're going to hear from a few non-elite runners. They're all really solid, um, big supporters of Training for Ultra. And I'm going to get three race recaps, actually. So Kat is going to give us a race recap on her Tahoe Rim Trail 100 mile finish so excited to speak with her and then ironically enough i ran into one of her friends jen at never summer 100k and we get to hear about her amazing finish and then a friend of the show we've had him on before mark is going to talk about his finish at the burning river 100 miler and then we have a big guest today i i haven't heard many podcast interviews from this guy he is a great runner so he is a sponsored runner um he finished 23rd at ccc just last year so he is like super fast super fit um he runs he has a big youtube channel harry runs is what his youtube channel is called harry jones he's vegan he's a coach and hopefully we get a lot of fun unique insights from him that can help you during race day help you get that finish when you're you know, right on the brink and hopefully you can apply what you learn from from harry on your own training run so very excited to speak with him quick shout out to the sponsors hammer nutrition if you haven't tried them out yet feel free to use my promo code 25 28 88 and you'll save 15 percent off your first order and speaking of harry being vegan i'm actually going to try out the new hammer recoverite that is now vegan they have a vegan option there so that's pretty cool and I was vegan for a while. I've tried almost all diets under the sun. So uh, excited to try that. And then big big thank you to Sufferfest Beer. They've been a, a long, long-time supporter of the show. Really enjoy their beer. They have huge distribution in California and Colorado. And I think FKT is the must-try beer this year. If you're a trail runner, it is, it is awesome. It has electrolytes in it, vitamin C, a bunch of other good stuff. Um, and they have a, a few other flavors, so check them out. And I get a, I get that question a lot. Where can I find Sufferfest beer? Just go to their website, and um, you can search out locations for the nearest retailer. And then CCC is the main focus. So the next few episodes are going to highlight CCC, UTMB, uh, big race out in Europe. It's pretty much the Olympics of ultra running. And I was really fortunate to have had enough points to get into the lottery this year and it's been my a race all these races that i've been doing have essentially been mini training blocks going into the big race ccc end of august this year and bigger than the trail tommy Byrne started this charity to raise awareness of mental health issues um via trail running highly recommend that charity they are the big ccc training sponsor this year thank you to them and uh 
yeah, we're going to be talking with a lot of people that have run UTMB over the next few episodes. And I am laser focused on, on my A-race and I've never felt better. I am totally injury free and I'm, I'm really excited to see how things go. <clears throat> so really quick, I've, I've had a lot of requests for a race recap on Never Summer. So it was, I now know it's called Gold Colorado, not Gould, Gold Colorado. It's a, it's a big race. It's a Western States qualifier. It was sold out with, um, you know, a, a waiting list and whatnot. And I think they had an all-time high participation rate. Nick Clark and uh, NAR Runners puts on a, an excellent event out. It's very wild. It's in a remote part of Colorado West by about an hour and a half of Fort Collins. And it is 103K, so it's 64.2 miles, roughly speaking. 13,000 feet of gain in that short of a period is is pretty rare. I mean, there are definitely races that squeeze in more, but uh, tell you what, it was a, a very technical course, and I went in, I did try uh, to not actually eat a pre-race meal, and to add gels in, sort of like I had talked to Brian Frank about, and I saw actually a performance increase from doing that. So I, I ended up having like, I had stomach issues actually all week, so it had nothing to do with that, and I didn't pack smart. I forgot that we were going to be in like the most remote part of Colorado, and we couldn't go grab, my, my pacer Dave and I couldn't just go grab a meal somewhere. So I was forced to kind of eat garbage the, the night before. I mean, I, I ate like sun chips and I don't know. I, I did all sorts of things I normally didn't do or don't do. Um, not, nevertheless, I mean, I felt really good at the start. And I saw like right from the beginning of this race that everyone went out hard. And I was just like holding back. I knew my splits because I DNF last year. Um so I was I was being pretty conservative right out of the gates, knowing what was in store for me and knowing I only knew like half the course. But I, I mean, I was there for the experience. I was there for the community, but I was there for redemption too. Like it was hard to DNF that race. Like I thought I had really run a smart race last year. And man, if I had only known the second half of that race, there's no way. I don't think I would have made it. But the initial climb up seven Utes, I just was in like a real comfortable mode. And on the downhill descent, like literally first, I think 10 miles in or less than that, seven miles in, like the very first descent, my quads were burning. So I don't know if the week prior doing 45 miles and nine runs doing like two doubles that week and it was a little bit of a ramp because I want this to be, you know, a training that I, I can gain something from going into CCC. I don't know if I overdid it on that front. I only did one, uh, like 5k run on a Wednesday during the hard taper into the race itself. And then I think I did about two miles of just super light hiking. Once we got to gold, um, visited Lake Agnes a lot of you guys probably saw that picture of that beautiful lake. Highly recommend that area. It's pretty awesome. You get to run by it during the race. But 
so on the descent my quads were burning like right from the start so i was trying to take it easy and let's see went across went down i mean everything was going very smooth um i did have to go to the bathroom i mean uh so at and that was that's sort of uncomfortable but you know uh, luckily made it to the port potty and let's see I knew going into North Diamond's ascent that it was going to be a long ways to the next aid station because that's where I got super dehydrated last year and I took an extra probably two minutes at that uh, I think it was mile 17 and a half roughly speaking aid station and really like focused in on okay I need to just get a little bit of extra water here and focused in on what what I have in store for me. So going up towards North Diamond, which is, it's this 0.9 mile ascent that has roughly, I think it has about 1400 feet again. I'm probably totally wrong on this. And I believe it has 47, at one point it gets so steep that it's 47.7 degrees, which I talked to uh, a woman from Alaska, and she said that section reminded her of Mount Marathon. And so I Google searched that, and it's 49.4 degrees um, of steepness. So it's super steep. The pictures that I update might not really show it, but it was like straight up. But I knew it was coming because I'd, I'd done this last year. Put my game face on. I'm running a little faster than last year, so I found myself kind of quietly like by myself i made sure not to use headphones just to be respectful of the rules and the insurance policy that nick had laid out so i'm really focused like about to hit that section and i come around the corner and it's cat bradley and her dog she's not racing or anything she's coming the opposite direction and so that kind of put a smile on my face and i i asked her how many minutes am i behind the leader and she quickly caught on and, and laughed. And she said I was two minutes behind the leader. But we, we both knew I was, uh, you know, middle of the pack at best, crushing. So that, I mean, it, it kind of lightened the mood going into that ascent. And I found myself, I, it was bizarre. I didn't have any pre-planned mantra going in, but I just kept telling myself, and it was kind of, along the lines of the the rhythm of my cadence of of hiking with the poles but i was just like uh don't stop like moving forward or something to that effect just repeating it over and over and over um yeah i'm, I'm trying to forget the exact mantra i wrote it down I, i'm writing i wrote all of this in a uh, pretty detailed chapter in the book so uh <laughs> But anyways, like I just kept moving forward. I just kept every single step moving forward. And then I finally get up and above treeline, I look over and I, I hear the storm brewing. And I can see the dark sky and I'm just like racing it because in the back of my mind, I'm like, what the hell is going to happen if I get up here and there's like an electrical storm and they tell us to go back down? Like, am I going to have to do North Diamond twice? Like that could be just mentally brutal. So I was actually kind of pushing my pace a little bit, made it to the top, ran across the whole never summer kind of mountain range there. There's a ridge line that's fat and not really a marked trail. It was 
beautiful, but I was also kind of fighting storms and pushing my pace harder than I would have liked to because I was above 11.5 in terms of altitude. So you push yourself hard there, you pay the price later just because there's less oxygen, so you're redlining much easier. But there were sections where I got blasted um, by some hail. You know, I, I came down out of that section and I was feeling as good as you can feel. I went into the halfway mark and my pacer crew, Dave, was there. You know, took down some some fluids. My stomach still wasn't feeling great. I ate watermelon at every aid station, by the way. And I think I threw in a pickle here and there. And I used some sodium um, caps as I was going through just to keep my electrolytes. And I was using fizz. And so I hit mile 30. It's a big climb. Like the next five miles are beautiful. They go through like a river section with wildflowers and boulders. And it's like seriously one of the most beautiful sections. But I was like a zombie with hiking poles. Just like I thought I was bonking at first. And then I finally realized by not putting anything more in my system and just drinking plain water, like I started feeling better. So I think I overdid sodium actually. Um, for the first half of this race and it wrecked my five miles um, so I hit mile 35 finally felt better like uh, I probably slowed me down an hour I got passed by like 20 people it was me against the course I didn't care about my place but it's a little mentally tough when you keep getting passed over and over by people that seem to have like unlimited energy so I hit mile 35 and I'm in flow. Like I, I go across this granite boulder section with weak legs, which is not fun because you can't like easily place your foot down. But I finally get past that and I go down and it's a, a beautiful trail down into the woods and I hit flow like finally like this is it's feeling great and I'm probably like three minutes into flow and I hear thunder. I hear like electricity above my head essentially and this starts hailing and raining and the trail turns to mud it sticks to the bottom of my feet but I was still in flow I mean it wasn't quite suffer flow I don't even know what you'd call it but I just kept running and just made it down slowly but um, it was like great seriously like I come out of this bonk state and now I'm getting pegged with hail and I wasn't the only one being pegged with hail there's a giant buck that like ran right in front of me he was freaking out I think all the animals probably at never summer were bugged by all this uh you know stormy conditions and hail get down to the water stop there they fill you know they fill up my water bottles have more water hit flow again more mud and then there's more hail that comes like starts really coming down really starts raining and then uh, I come out of the woods to this burnt section and I'm running and I'm still hearing the electricity like buzz above my head and I'm like this is not safe like I have hiking poles I know they're probably aluminum but uh, then there's a giant crack of lightning and it hits like I could like literally see it I drop down onto the trail and it hit like the side of the mountain essentially where I was but I'm looking around and it's this totally burnt out section and I'm the highest point. Like, so I scrambled through my hiking poles, like probably five feet from me, like 
huddled down because there's like this sort of like a a hill that was probably six or seven feet tall that at least it wouldn't be a direct lightning strike but i was i was kind of concerned there i haven't been feared fearful for my life uh while trail running very often but i think during this circumstance i was just thinking if there's another lightning strike like i'm the highest point for half a mile all around here so i need to hunker down and so i hunkered down for like five or ten minutes and four or five guys just come running through They're like hey are you okay dude i was like yeah yeah i'm okay i was just trying not to get hit by lightning and they run off i actually tailed them and i was like half joking that i wasn't the tallest one here in in the train of people running so um at least i wouldn't get hit by lightning it was it was dangerous trying to get out of there and getting down to the mile 40 mark and so mile 40 like i was pretty cold i think a lot of guys like and, and gals were cold and kind of just i don't know surprised at at how quickly the weather turned there and so the um Eight station captain there was super awesome like seriously five-star hotel service like this this guy was great um so he got me like hot soup and got some calories in me and he's like it's only two and a quarter miles up and two and a quarter miles down yeah there's like 12 or 1400 feet of gain but you know it's one of the most beautiful sections you'll ever come across so i was just like okay two and a quarter I can do that. It's not a big deal. Like, let's just get it over with. And, oh, man, it was back to, like, that zombie hike mode. Like, I had lost my hiking legs, and I I wasn't alone. Like, but I was getting passed quite a few times, and these guys weren't just passing me, like, 10 feet in front of me. They were, like, blasting through. So I was feeling down on myself because I was just such a slow hiker up those mountains. Finally reached the top have my bib bib signed and turn around and then i again like i i hit like kind of a flow trot you know running down super technical stuff it was not world record speed i think these were like 15 minute miles that's how technical this stuff was like there were sections where you could you could seriously injure yourself if you were pushing it and uh yeah i finally made it back down to that that aid station they tell me like six and a quarter to mile 50 so it's all downhill so i just start cruising and yeah the first three miles were downhill but it was not all downhill (laughs) and uh it was runnable i was cruising i was i was thinking about like okay i don't have a headlamp it's probably going to get dark around eight o'clock and so i need to push this pace a little bit it was like the whole race like i'm either bonked like dragging or pushing my pace at an elevated level not not the most comfortable way of running a race but um so i come down three miles after that aid station making a big turn i hear the cows mooing not you know not a big deal like pasture land and it was weird like we were in this pen almost like it was an enclosed area but it wasn't enclosed so like we were directly looking at cows and stuff and i was coming and running around and then i i saw one cow like turn its head and i realized like oh his horns like that's a that's a bull and it like 
locks in on me and I see its head like tracking me from probably 100 yards maybe 75 yards away and it's just following me like its head is just following as I run across I'm like that's really weird like there's nothing in between us why is this bull looking at me and then I'm like oh shit I'm wearing a bright red shirt like this thing this thing thinks I'm taunting it in front of its friends like it's gonna if it charges me I don't think my legs have any energy in them to even like get away so that that was an eye like I woke up out of like my trail running whatever I was in there and uh, that definitely woke me up I picked up the pace again got into the woods I was like oh avoided that and then I see two or three like giant I didn't know if they're cows or bulls to the right in the woods. And I was like, this is this could get dangerous. Like, this is gonna turn quickly into running of the bulls, like Spanish style here. Um and luckily they're just cows and a calf. And I made it to uh mile fifty. It was actually a little bit longer. Canadian aid station. It's kinda hilarious. They're like welcome to the Canadian border, like, have your passport out, um, but it was great getting there, it was a relief, because there was still sunlight, and I got my headlamp, picked up Dave, and he was ready to go, he had been waiting, he was a little concerned, because, you know, he saw me at mile 30, thinking, like, okay, he's making really good time, like, he's an hour and a half quicker than he was last year, and then I bonked for probably, like, 10 of the next miles which was really just too much sodium um so yeah it was it was good to see dave and i was sitting there in the in the chair getting soup trying to warm up i'm just wearing that shirt i'm looking around and everyone has winter hats on and they have like winter coats and i'm like i look over to this lady and like i ask her kind of a bizarre question I'm like is it hot out and she looked at me like I don't know if she was concerned for me or what. She's like, no, it's really cold out. <laughs> and so I think just having run all day, like my body temperature was elevated. Um, but yeah, after that, I, I put on some gloves and a jacket just because I knew if I wasn't cold now, just in a few minutes, I would be. So, And we were about to change my socks. My feet just got totally destroyed. And Dave's like, I, I heard there's a water crossing like less than a mile out. So let's just take socks with you and sure enough like so we held off changing socks took off yeah like maybe a quarter of a mile there's like a, a water crossing and of course my legs my climbing legs are done my quads are pretty much shot and trying to finesse myself across a creek crossing I could always do it like halfway like I nailed the left foot on the rock and then like my right foot would go in the water and like ah I curse and you know, the next water crossing, got my right foot on the rock and then left would go in and then and then I would nail the water crossing, you know, hit each rock across, like hop over and then it was mud. <laughs> and so I couldn't I couldn't win. I knew my feet were gonna be destroyed and I just said like screw the sock change, let's save save the time. So Dave and I just grinded. I was trying to you know, describe it to Dave and Dave's like, Yeah, we're just grinding, man. And that's, that's what we did. They weren't fast miles. They weren't slow miles. We just grinded, got it done. And we could put it in perspective between the two of us because 
we do training runs around here. There's a six mile loop that we do sometimes. And it was just as simple as like, Hey, we just have to do this loop twice. And, you know, we kept grinding and it was, Oh, we only have one loop that we normally run on Mondays or Tuesdays or whenever. And so it was great having him just to pull me along. And he knew my goal. Like I didn't tell anyone my goal. I wanted to go sub 20 and I thought if I had a good day, I could do 17 and a half hours and be in the top hundred. Again, I wasn't racing other people, but I thought like personally, just that's where it would fall out. I was like, if it was a bad day, I could probably do like 18 or 19 hours. And so he knew sub 20 was my goal. There was a part, there was like a section there where I just wasn't sure if we were going to do it. And then we finally hit the last aid station or one of the last aid stations are like, yeah, it's it's four miles up, two miles down, and two miles of flat. So it's like eight miles left. And I was just like, okay, we can do this. And we just grinded the up section that felt like it would never end. Kind of reminded me of Run Rabbit Run, like coming out of that Fish Creek or wherever it was, like the 10 mile up, up to mile 80. Like it was just grind, just grind up and hike. And it wasn't it wasn't that giant of uh, a gain. I think it was probably like twenty five hundred feet of gain. But um, like just the condition of my legs, having done North Diamond and all the other downhill descents and everything, like my legs were just beat up. So we did it. We got it done. Um, we had friends actually headlamps behind us, and they disappeared and they missed the turn. So I was totally bummed. Um, friend a friend uh from the previous time i did that was behind us and we saw them disappear and i joked because this turn was over marked like there were 13 reflectors marking the turn and i looked behind and there were no headlamps on i was like oh they probably missed the turn dave like there was no freaking way you could but they must have just been looking the other way so i was bummed about that but they ended up finishing but we we took the downhills and started started running, and it was it weren't they weren't fast. There were roots hanging out everywhere. It's pitch dark. I mean, there was a full moon, but it was behind the clouds a lot of times. And I was watching for cutoff roots so that I didn't hurt myself going into my A race of the year. But we almost did like a progression into the finish line, and so I was like half a mile from the finish line and. You know, a guy comes running up next to me, and I'm just like, go ahead, man. Like, nice job. Like, I'm not going to race. Like, I've done enough of these to know, like, when you've taxed your body, if you lay down, like, hard last two miles, like, it's going to take me an extra week to recover for a spot or two, which I wasn't even, I didn't even care about. Um, so yeah, I was disciplined and a lot, I got a lot of questions at Leadville and this race, like, why do you have UTMB compression socks? Like, have you run UTMB, blah, blah, blah. Um, and those like compressed sports socks that I have, like they're a reminder, the whole race, the past few races that I've done, like, don't do anything stupid. Like your A race is in Chamonix, like it's, it's in Europe, like you start in Italy yeah, uh, don't do anything stupid. When I look down at my feet or whatever, like I see my compression sock, and it, it's a good reminder. Like, don't do anything stupid. 
so we got it done and uh i was surprised we we came in 19 hours and 28 minutes so um considering how many of those miles were like zombie over salted miles um i was really happy with it and um i definitely leaned on aid station food for the second half i was very disciplined with taking gels and perpetuum for the first half and overall i mean considering there were bad sections i was very happy to get the race done um i haven't mentioned this to many people but it's that race is worth five utmb points and it's a western states qualifier if you do go sub uh 23 hours and there were 24 hours before the cutoff um so now I just need to finish CCC and I'll have uh, enough points for UTMB in 2019, which is kind of cool. It just happened to work out that way. Um, didn't go in actually calculating points and stuff, but I did figure out like, so I just need to finish CCC now and um, you know, UTMB lottery is a possibility. So that's pretty cool. Um, overall, the community was awesome. I got to meet all sorts of runners from all different places. Such a great time, such a great community. And Nick set it up so that they have a breakfast the next morning, which is awesome because the majority of people go there and you can share stories and the community, like we can just talk about stuff, talk about sections, share stories, like have good laughs, have a morning beer, have a breakfast beer. Like it was just kind of a cool cool experience um i talked to claire gallagher at the very end and i was like claire i gotta ask you you won ccc last year how did this course how did never summer 100k compare to ccc because i have to do it you know next month and she's like oh never summer is much harder the trails were much more technical and ccc like yeah there's more climbing you'll have like I think she said 7,000 more feet of climbing, but the trails are actually runnable. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, and if you look at her finish time, like she definitely, she took at least, I know she wasn't racing, racing, racing this course, but uh, she took like over uh, two hours longer to do Never Summer. So there you go. That's, it's setting me up to feel somewhat confident. I got to work on some climbing skills and try to speed up my climbing a little bit for CCC, but overall, I was really happy, really thankful for all the uh, volunteers. The aid stations were amazing at that race, considering how remote they were. Nick Clark puts on an awesome race. It's one of the most beautiful, most remote, tough courses I've ever run, and I truly, I mean, to summarize, I felt like it was an adventure. You don't go to run Never Summer to run a 100k distance. You go to run there in a like run an adventure and i felt like honestly i felt like i was hatchet out there like and my you know my plane crashed in gold colorado and i was out there to survive like it was it was an experience that i'll never forget and big thank you to my crew and pacer dave and huge thank you to all you guys who have been hugely hugely supportive throughout this whole thing so Kind of long-winded. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Let's touch base with some other people besides hearing my race recap. I'm joined here again by a friend of the show, Mark Imasa. 
he is running for Honey Stinger and Topo. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, ambassador. Ambassador, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for joining me again. I think Michelle Barton and I touched base with you um, for your tilapia training, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I was really happy to see you. Um, you went after a, a personal favorite race of mine, Burning River hundred miler in Ohio. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about it. Oh, it was a, that was a tough one. Uh, this is my second go at this race. I went at it, uh, last year and I DNF'd. Um, so this was kind of like, uh, redemption kind of, sort of. It was was kind of Uh, our redemption weekend, right? It was redemption weekend. You got redemption. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get so, it. So tough, yeah. That was crazy. So, so where where does yeah. this take place? This is a pretty big race. It's well organized. I went after this a long time back, but enough on yeah. that. I want to hear kind of your perspective on it. Um, where does it take place? So it's in Ohio. Um, you go through a few parks, um, like Cuyahoga Falls and... Uh, it's that ledges, and I don't remember where we ended. So it's near um, Cleveland, though, for the start? Yeah, yeah. No, um, So I think we start north. I think that's closer to, like, Akron. I okay. I think we end near Cleveland. Okay. Because it's, it, it's a point-to-point. So I can't. And, I, and no. it's a pretty early start, if I don't recall. I remember oh, yeah. taking a bus to the start line, and it was like... Three thirty in the morning or something stupid, yes. right? <laughs> like two was the buses. I was like, uh, I got. I, I mean, I was fortunate. I had a crew, so I didn't have to take the bus in the morning. Okay, um, but it was a four o'clock start. This was kind of kind of crazy. I, I'm not usually four o'clock runner. Um, <laughs> I don't know that many people, but <laughs> that's like not a comfortable way to start a hundred mile race. You know, like yeah. Oh yeah. It was a it was a strange strange morning. I mean, it was like it was already hot. It, it rained all like the night before. This massive thunderstorm, so it was like nice and humid and sticky right off the bat. Yikes! Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, what a way to start. It's surreal, so, right? Because you show up to the oh, start yeah. line and there's like a castle. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and they like light up the castle. They have like a you know their emblem shining on the castle. And then, like, there's, like, a DJ or something. It's just, like, a weird a weird grouping of, uh, I think there's, like, music or something. Yeah, there was. Yeah, totally. And, like, uh, so did you guys have the glow sticks left and right kind of just yep, yep, get yep. after it? I mean, so tell me, what what was your state of mind? I mean, you, you DNF this last year, and, like, how did you feel before the, the very start of that race? The very start, I felt good like I felt confident like I had a you know a week right before I'm like it was kind of like a confidence builder um I had a pretty big letdown the week before I, I ended up getting strep throat which is I think strange for the summertime oh jeez. Um, yeah it wasn't I didn't know that yeah it wasn't optimal and then I think you knew like I busted my ankle the week before that I that yeah great. that I was concerned about I didn't know you had strep throat too man you've been through a lot yeah kind of crazy um so i felt good at the start line um 
I just, I, I knew I had made mistakes before and I wanted to not make those mistakes. And so like last time I went out way too fast and I, you know, this whole, this whole kind of running year for me, I was trying to stay conservative and it was more about like being able to recover good. So I, cause I was really chasing after these UTMB points and I wanted to get them all at once. So I had been really working on being conservative and I wanted to be healthy through the whole race and, you know, kind of just be kind of consistent and be smart through this race. Um, and I, I, I think I was for a while. Um, but I, the, the wheels kind of fell off pretty quick I, and I still don't know why I think like I psyched myself out. Um, last year I had foot problems. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know what I did. Like, I didn't step on anything or whatever. And I was concerned about my ankle, so that might have been it. I don't know if it was nutrition. Yeah, but um, so this year, my my foot hurt the exact same way, but on the opposite foot, hmm. like mile 20. And I don't know why, to this point, why that happened. I had the and, same thing, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. It was like once you got off the, you get off the road because it's, it's all, it's like almost a road marathon to start with, right? Oh yeah. So it's just miles. I I don't remember how many miles, maybe like 11, almost all road in the beginning or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so it's kind of fast too, you know, there's a few climbs, but it's kind of fast in the beginning because it's all road like that. Um, and then you kind of go into like this trail for a little while. There's a few water crossings, and then you're back on like some concrete type, you know, trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it like kind of went wrong. There was this just this really long straightaway yeah. in the beginning, and the exact same. I don't know if it's the exact same place, but approximately there, I hurt my foot, and the same thing happened. I don't know if it's like a foot cramp or what it was, but I felt like just devastated you know at that point i'm like how can this happen again i i'm feeling good my legs feel good i feel good i'm not hungry i'm not dehydrated you know i've had all kinds of things go wrong with me and it just it felt great and uh for some reason i was like i can't let it end like this um just the weirdest thing i just took off my shoes and i was like i'm gonna try walking a little bit to see what happens because I was kind of just frustrated. And like my feet started feeling better. So I just ran in my socks for a little while on the grass next to the path for probably two miles. Wow. Just, so you were, you had reached almost like a desperate point. I mean, it must have been really painful to have to take your shoes off. Yeah, I, it was. I mean, it felt like, like the outside of my foot, if somebody would to like just grab my foot it was just the it was just a strange feeling i don't know it it hurt Mm. it was like a burning burning i don't even know how to describe it but like i took off my shoes and i was running in the in the grass section next to this like toe path or whatever and it kind of like relaxed my foot but Mm -hmm. you know being in your socks you can't really go that you know that fast or whatever but It like kind of felt good, but you know, I ran out of grass too because I had to like go back like on gravel, and I'm like, that's not going to work. Um, so I had to like put back on my shoes. 
but like my shoes felt great again. So yeah. then I would go for a couple of miles and then it would hurt again. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was just kind of in a panic for miles because I'm like, I, I can't, what am I going to do? I can't just, you know, do this. But I did. And I ended up running the rest of the race like that, just kind of uh, going back and forth. And fortunately, I had sandals with me. So I actually altered between uh, my shoes and my sandals and I carried them the, the entire race. No kidding. I've never heard that before. That's oh, like, yeah. That's amazing. I oh, mean, the jokes were coming from everyone. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, ironically enough, I made a poor shoe choice. I, I took a road shoe off, you know, onto the trails after I think it was like mile 25. And I distinctly yeah. remember mile 40... Five clipping a root oh. with the road shoe, and my toe, yeah. my big toenail was on and off, and so oh. I, yeah, yeah, the downhill, <laughs> the downhill yes. hitting the uh, top of the shoe was so painful that I had to drop down to the fifty mile race, like, and just call it a day because I just couldn't couldn't take the pain, but. You're going out there with sandals for major stretches. That's like, it's a whole yeah. different level. It was, it was, a, it was just strange because like the sandals that I had, like they, they were not comfortable. And like you said, there's so much cement. They were not comfortable in the cement. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to like balance pain for my foot. <laughs> like, you know, like sometimes it would hurt with my shoes on. Sometimes it would hurt with my sandals on. And I was just alternating back and forth just trying to, you know, basically get aid station to aid station to finish the race. It was, I mean, I was just sitting, sitting on the trails, changing shoes and like, you know, people would be like, Oh, you're, you're going to try your shoes now. Okay. Oh gosh. And that's, that's for 80 miles. You were doing that. Yeah. Wow. And actually this race runs long. I I think it's like a hundred and six miles, 108 or something. Yeah, something hundred one point something. I don't know. It was, it was, it was interesting. I the last four miles. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised that I got to wear my shoes, but I I spent long stretches in my sandals, and it was uh, it was just a it was a kind of a bizarre, bizarre race. Yeah, well, I mean, hats <laughs> off to you, man, for just. <laughs> gutting it out like i can't imagine that have have you been able to figure out was it like socks rubbing or like because i'll i don't normally go into this much detail but i wear typically during a race i'll wear in gingy socks and i'll put squirrels nut butter like all over my toes like yeah kind of overkill um and i try not to think about it and just put the toe socks on slip them in my shoes and it's actually worked out fairly well um like, yeah, i wish i had come up with that. any of that yeah i so i ended up having in gingy socks and i changed into those at uh whatever the aid station is where you can have a crew the second one and i'm yeah. just lucky that i had put them in my box and you know i had just basically just slathered my my feet with icy hot and you know well i put the icy hot and stuff on by like mile 50, but I wish I had thought to put the toe socks on a lot earlier, 
but the toe socks were the savior because I was switching on and off from my sandals. Yeah. So I could get my uh, shoes back on and the sandals back on. So were you so focused on what was going on with your feet that was nutrition working for you? Because that can ruin a 100-miler quickly. Like, were you able to, I mean, were you focused on, like, leg pain and cramping? Like, like so I was were you so, so focused, focused on your feet? I was so focused on my feet. And... And I think, you, you know, I've told you before, like, I get, like, really involved in your shows, and they really, like, affect me. So, obviously, your last two shows before the race, I had listened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, nutrition-wise, I actually made some changes um, just because of your show. Um, nice. Hopefully, it was, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's a good change. <laughs> it was a good change. It totally worked out for me. But I don't know, because, like, again, like, you know, pace became completely different because of the feet issues you know like I wasn't running normal like you know like you know like you would normally at a race because I had to sit down so many times and change my shoes and you know it was like a different kind of rhythm so everything was different you know so even nutrition was different I felt like hydration was different because it was just everything was you know because it was dictated from my feet and like what my feet were feeling so if I was at a point in the course where I couldn't wear my shoes because my feet hurt, but it was like really rooty and like really rocky, well, I had to I had to slow down a ton, you know, yeah, and really like watch where my feet were going, you know. In which, you know, I, I spent a lot of the race kind of angry and disappointed, but you know, kind of hindsight, I'm trying to get to a better place, and I think to myself, you know, if I had been trying to just go, you know, gun ho, who knows, I could have like. You know, I saw people on the course and, you know, hamstrings are locking up and, you know, just ultra things that could have gone wrong. And maybe I was fortunate. It was just my feet, you know, because, you know, a a long time I was just mad. I was like, how can I feel this good and my feet just kill? Yeah, that's so weird. It's almost like an allergic reaction or something. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, maybe it had to do with like your body recovering from strep throat and everything else it's fascinating and for the listeners background mark is a a boston qualifier like <laughs> you're a quick dude so for for you to hit mile 20 and sit down and change shoes had to be uh beyond agonizing so hats off to you to for getting the job done i mean maybe in a weird sense you've you've cracked the 100 miler in your own head like slow down yeah. a little bit i mean yeah, what, what are I, your what are your takeaways from this whole experience? Um, there's just been so many. I, I think like with this this whole like last few races, I, you know, it's been about recovery, and it's not like just recovery from races or from training. I feel like it was recovery from like things that happen, like I to shake things off and just to say, okay, this happened. I need to move on. I need to adapt and find a new plan, right? I mean, I think that, you know, before I unlaced my shoes, you know, the only thing I thought was, here comes another DNF. You know, how far am I going to get before it's just too agonizing, before, you know, I just can't run anymore. But something in my head was just like, okay, you know, this this sucks. And you know what? You know, it might be brutally slow, but 
try taking off your shoes and walking for a little bit. And that walk kind of turned into like, I can jog with my, without my shoes, you know? And then I got to the aid station. I'm like, oh, I have my sandals. I can, you know, yeah, this is not the race that I wanted, you know? And that, I think that was, the, I think this has been the hardest part is, you know, the last few races, it's, I have something envisioned in my mind of what the race is going to be like, but you know, too many things happen. It's a, it's a long race. These races, you know, they're hours. They're not like marathons where I think there's a lot of pressure in marathons that everything has to go right because you only have a few hours out there. You know, ultras, you're, there's, I mean, there's bound to be things that go wrong. It's, it's kind of more about adapting and letting it go. So that's amazing. Maybe that. I think that's awesome. I mean, truly, like you were kind of reborn, reborn on on this uh, run. How many ultras have you done? So um, this is this year. I did four. I did a fifty k, two fifty milers, and then this one hundred. Nice. And then last year, uh, DNF Burning River um, had one one hundred miler. Um, I don't know. Last year was my, my first official year of uh, ultras. Um, I was running just, you know, marathons. I thought that was just super fun. fast. <laughs> I thought those were real far. I was, I was exhausted at the end of those. I was like, there's nothing else out there. <laughs> so I was going to, I was going to end on some profound question, but uh, I mean, for the listeners background, so you did 50 K's, 50 milers, how much of a difference is it to you, you know, a fairly experienced marathoner and ultra runner jumping from that 50 mile distance to the hundred mile distance? Cause it's, it, it might just look like an extra 75 bucks on ultra sign up and right. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> it's so deceiving. <laughs> what, what is, um, what's it like, uh, bumping up in distance? Cause it's a lot, right? <laughs> oh, it's a ton. It's so, I think that you have to, you just have to have a whole, I think it's a whole different monster. It's a whole different vibe. It, you have to go. I, I think that, you know, again, I think it, it really kind of comes down to knowing that things are going to go wrong. You know, it's exactly and be okay with that. And yes, that, yes. even with the 50 miler, I feel like, you know, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's almost like there's less time for mistakes to happen. So, and less room for it to happen. So like, you might not go into like awful things, but with the hundred miler, like, I think, you know, just about everybody, there are points and times in the race and they're just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, you know? And then you have to get to the mind, the, the point in your mind where like, you have to make that adjustment like, oh yeah, I am going to do this. And these are the adjustments I'm going to make. It's not perfect. And I think, I think that's the toughest part that, you know, having a plan and knowing like it's probably, I don't know anybody yet. Um, well, personally, I'm sure they're, I've read about them, but having a perfect race, you know, and yeah, just saying went perfect. There's almost no such thing with the hundred mile distance. Almost. Yeah. There, there are rare, yeah. There's, yeah. rare cir- yeah. circumstances, but I mean, even my hundred K, um, probably as you were running also, I was sitting 
in mud on the side of the trail, having thrown my poles with a, a lightning strike. No. Like ducking and just like hoping not to get hit by lightning for five or ten minutes. So it's no. like like it seems like a really long time too. Like five or ten minutes during a race when you're trying to go in and out of aid stations in like two minutes, like felt like an eternity, but it was also like well in perspective. So Yeah. Yeah, it's And it's it, hard to get that perspective when you're out there because like all that energy that you've in time that you've put in to get to that place. You know, you got to the start line and now you're out in the course and you've put in so much training, you you know, sacrifice time doing whatever, family, friends, and you know, you have these expectations and every time that you something doesn't go perfect, you're like, ah, how, how can this happen? You know, like, why am I still in this aid station right now? You know, why am I can't tie my shoes? Why aren't my fingers working properly to tie my shoes like a normal person right now? Or trying to get, you know, my toes in those socks, you know, if I'm at home, they just go, it's fine. But, you know, if I'm on the course, of course there's, you know, all kinds of rocks in there and yeah, stuck to my hand. So, yeah, well, I think that that's tough. This this was an amazing race recap. I've never heard of anything like this happening. And, Mark, if I were you, I'd wear that belt buckle, like, at least for a week straight <laughs> until your coworkers are like, what is wrong with Mark? Why is he – he keeps wearing that Burning River buckle. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. It's a, it's a special race. If you're in the Midwest – uh, Burning River, yeah, Western Reserve Racing. If you're listening, give me a call. Let me know. I it's on my radar. Um, I have un, unfinished business there, so. Yes. I, and if I, you go back, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I I have to go back at some point. Um, and I I mean, my last question for you, we could talk for hours, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably just about Burning River, but the um. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to recall Woodstock. Is that on your radar at all? It has to be pretty close because you're from yeah. Michigan. I know you're a big Red Wings fan. Um, oh yeah. Is that on your radar for later this year? It, it is. I you know I'm trying. I I have a few in mind. Um, you know, I these, this was my last kind of big race because my my you know one of my top goals for this year was to get the points uh, for UTMB. Um, so everything else was kind of on the back burner. So now I feel like I kind of have to make those choices. And Woodstock was one of them. Um, I've crewed and paced at Woodstock. So I kind of feel like I want to go there. Um, and because of your show, see, I'm telling you, Rob, your show changes things for me. Um, I don't That's know awesome. if it's for the better. I hope it's for the better. <laughs> Sometimes. I hope it's yeah. for <laughs> I just make random if, new churns. I'm if, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to change my diet. It's like three days out. <laughs> I just heard this podcast. I might have got it all wrong, but he said don't eat. So I mean, luckily like, I didn't give you <laughs> I didn't give you shoe advice or whatever <laughs> sock right? foot advice. Yeah. Um, yeah no. uh, uh, so did you that, end up getting enough UTMB points for the year? I do. I have all Can, of them. So. How's that feel? That because that was a big goal of yours. I mean, it's oh, it ambitious. It was such a relief. I know now. I'm so excited. This coming, what do we have? Thirty. I said we. 
31 days. I'm so ready for you to run this race. I feel like I'm running it too. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm inspiring you to get out to Chamonix. That's pretty amazing, man. That's I amazing. I love it. I feel like you're doing recon. You know, you're going to tell us all how it's going and, you know, what to do, where to set up shop and, you know. <laughs> Best hotels. This is, yeah, this is exactly. where you get a buy one, get one free <laughs> beer in Chamonix. I'll do right. recon for you, Mark. And, dude, awesome. congrats. Like, well, well done. Like, you're a fast, talented dude, and it sounds like things did not go according to plan, and they never do in 100 milers, but it's how you deal with the uncertainties and and the difficulties, and it sounds like you figured it out and just gutted it out. So big congrats, and and thanks yeah. for sharing your story with us. We'll, we'll have a, a full interview of you likely on a, a Patreon-only episode coming up here. So thanks for taking the time, yeah, thanks, Mark. Bro. Oh, thank you, man. It's good talking to you always. I'm joined here by Kat Shea, and she just finished the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 miler. Kat, congrats. Hi. Yay, thank you. You've been a huge supporter of the show, and my jaw dropped when I saw that huge belt buckle just <laughs> last week, I think, in a post. Yeah, it's a special buckle. They mint it actually at the Nevada, I think like the state mint or something, nice. just for the race. Yeah, it's a really nice buckle. Well, I, this race has been on my radar. I've seen that belt buckle in like hundreds of different, you know, collections and whatnot. But I don't know much about the race, and I sure. figured who who best to you know reach out to um, than a mom of three. So we're gonna have to hear how you squeeze in training. <laughs> You know, you work at Children's Hospital, so kids are a big part of your life, and I can definitely yeah. relate to that. Um, but I know nothing about this race other than it's near Lake Tahoe, and it I don't know if it's an easy race or hard race. I mean, I, I see the elevation gain of 18,000 feet, so I'm assuming it's fairly brutal. <laughs> um, yeah. But how, how'd you hear about the race and kind of like just walk me through like, signing up for it and your training going in and then let's hear about the race itself sure okay so let's rewind to 2014 i had just started getting into um ultra running um and this was the first mountain race i signed up for sort of um i guess a friend was doing it and i'd always been curious about lake tahoe so i went out there had absolutely no idea what i was doing like no idea I had done some kind of loop races and some other trail stuff, but not like a mountain 100-mile race. And I totally blindly went into it. And there was a huge storm, a hailstorm and a rainstorm. And I made it to like mile 67 and was just like, mm, I'm done. I don't really want to keep going. So yeah. it was my first and my only DNF. No, There's no explanation for it to this day. I can't tell you why I did it except that I know now. If you want to run a hundred mile race, you have to just want it with everything in your heart and in your head, or you won't finish because your instincts will tell you to quit. And that's the biggest lesson I learned from that attempt. Um, so it's it's valuable to me that DNF will always be there, but it's I learned so much from it about you know how to approach a mountain race. So, anyways, fast forward, had another baby. Well, 2015, I ran Angel's Crest hundred, so I kind of redeemed myself there. Yeah, and then in solid. 2000. <laughs> That's, yeah, a, hard, that's so it, a hard one. Super tough. And then like one month after that, I got pregnant with baby number three. Um, and so 
I really wanted to, I, I mean, I, I love ultra running, everything about it, especially the community. It's just a big part of who I am. I mean, I'm a mid packer, um, but it's, it's a big part of my life. So I really missed that when I was pregnant and then coming back from, from having the baby. Um, so I wanted to get back in the scene and I knew in my heart that Tahoe Rim Trail 100 mile race was going to be my comeback 100. It had to be because I needed to redeem myself and I had learned so much from then. Yeah. So I put that on my list and it's it's um, a lottery to get into. I think because it is phenomenal the way it's run. Um, it, first of all, it's in a beautiful location in the eastern Sierras. Um, if you're looking at a map at, at Lake Tahoe, it's like northeastern side of Lake Tahoe, so you don't actually go all the way around. It's across the lake from Squaw Valley, where Western States, of course, starts. Um, and it's actually in the state of Nevada, the whole race is. Um, so I knew in my heart that was going to be my race. And I did 200 Ks in a 50-mile race in the year leading up to it. And then I just ran it, and the baby's going to be two next week. So it took me a good two years to get the training on my, my legs and stuff um, to get to the race. So... The race is, um, logistically, it's two loops of the 50-mile course, which in itself is pretty uh, mentally kind of brutal because you get back to the 50-mile mark and you have to go back out for another 50. But it's all alpine. I mean, the whole course is covered in beautiful wildflowers and rocks. Um, it's pretty runnable course, I would say, but you're at above 8,000 feet the entire time, which I know being you living in Colorado is nothing, but us sea level Californians, it's kind of up there. Yeah, for um, sure. No, I, anything above 7,000, I mean, if you mess up your hydration, it, it can ruin your day quickly. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's it just adds such a complexity that I think people really underestimate. I, I learned it at Leadville. Like, yeah. There's a lot of nuances with elevation and altitude. Um, yep. Th- I mean, there's not much room for air in 100 milers. There is room, um, but those just add, yeah, the complexity to it. So uh-huh. not to backtrack, but what what, what three races did you do in the year prior as training? Did you match the, sure. the elevation gain and try to get some more yeah. mountainous races, or was this just getting your legs back? I tried to do pretty much all mountain races, at least in, in my heart that's like where – as a mom of three, like I have to focus my time on, I can't go out and run like every race. Like I wish I could, I kind of have to pick and choose. So I ran, let's see, I ran Kuyamaka hundred K was my first ultra, um, after having the baby in October. So he was like just over a year. Um, when I did that and I, I love that race down in San Diego. Uh, and I wanted to get my qualifier in that year because I lost all my Western States tickets. Uh, when I had the baby, so oh, I had to get worst. back had to get back in the game. That's seriously yeah, I mean, like I think they've almost I think they might have changed that rule at this point. They did. Yeah, yeah a year late for me, but I'm uh, no complaints. But yeah. so I had to get that out of the way. Kuyamaka is a qualifier. I highly recommend that race. It's it's awesome. Um, so I did that in October, and then in February I did Sean O'Brien 100K because I love Kira, and that race is kind of a hometown <laughs> race for us down here. It's on my yeah. radar for sure. Yeah, you should come do it. Yeah. Uh, and then I did uh, Leona Divide 50 miler in April. Just nice. kind of. Sp- and to be honest with you, my training is super unconventional. Unconventional with um, 
I'm not trying to like use my kids as an excuse, but just, I work a lot of weekends and stuff. So that was pretty much my long run before Tahoe. I do a lot of like double running days to sort of simulate tired legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, like 95% of my running is pushing a stroller. I do a lot of heel repeats pushing the stroller, like a lot, a lot. And I do a lot of hiking with my kid on my back. So like 35 pounds, we'll do like up to 10 miles uh, on a lot of hills. That's awesome. Trails. I, I like, I'll be training and I almost never like say good job or like nicely done to anyone that I just randomly see out there because they just look at me funny. But there was yeah. a there's a mom going up this pretty steep hill with a double stroller, and I was yeah. just like, I am super impressed. And she she had like the biggest smile on her face, like yeah, and uh, yeah, having three, holy cow. I, I don't know yeah. if I don't know if we're gonna get outnumbered over here. Like we huh. have we have two now. Um, yeah, you have the new baby. Yeah. Congrats. I, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, three. It's good sleep. It's good sleep deprivation training, I think too. Everything is training to me. What can I say? Like oh. Well, I haven't really shared no. this story. I don't think I've shared this story, but during my wife's pregnancy, she looked at me as she's walking around the hospital in those few hours before giving birth, and she's like this is my hundred like yeah <laughs> and she's not an ultra runner or anything and i w- i had like a water bottle in my hand like i was pacing her essentially it was <laughs> so it was true. bizarre yeah um it's like an out-of-body experience just like running a hundred is you don't know what's gonna happen it's, it's exactly <laughs> right and you're you're highly dependent on uh like other people on t- at times totally. um, so yep how was how was hitting the start line of Tahoe Rim I mean were you like excited or nervous or like how was your mind friend like state of mind going into it um well my friends would tell you I'm like probably overly laid back about this stuff I don't know why but I just don't I'm not a big planner I just kind of I wouldn't want to say I wing it because I know you can't run 100 miles and wing it but I just find that too many things are out of your control so just get there and and this one, for me, my biggest thing is fueling. I'm terrible at it, and I just get nauseous, and I can't I can't deal. So that was really my goal, and I knew going into it, like, you're not going to quit. There's no way you're going to get another DNF at this race. So that was just never an option to me. Like, it just wasn't. One foot in front of the other, we're going to just do this. So I wasn't, I mean, I guess a little nervous, but more I was just excited. You know, it, honestly it's a vacation for me to be out there by myself or, you know, around <laughs> other adults. It, it truly is like, that sounds crazy, yeah. but a hundred miles was, it was kind of a break to be honest. Like you only have one, one human to take care of at that point. It's right. Nice. Myself. Yeah. People are waiting on me. Like I roll into the aid station. I'm like, what do you need? Like, this is a concept. <laughs> so how the, my kids uh, can't, my kids can't chase me into the porta potties either. <laughs> um, how had the first half of the race go? Like were sure. your legs um, fatigued? I, like never summer for me. I my legs, the first downhill were burning, and I was like, uh oh, like this is this isn't a good start. Um, mile seven downhill, and uh, my legs are burning. Like how how did things feel for the first half? Okay, this is my tip. Get put your kid on your back and hike, or get a weight belt and hike tons because my legs were never fatigued like 
leg problems. That was not ever my issue. And I, I swear it's from all the hiking. Yeah. And I actually, I actually do a lot of kind of light. I don't know. The coaches are probably going to freak out about this, but light, light running with them on my back. Just, I'm not stupid about it. I don't, I don't yeah. want to go out and hurt myself, but I've had enough running injuries to know wh- what's pushing it. But I, su- I swear by that, the running downhill with the weight on my back, it, it build my muscles, build my muscles up. And I, that was never an issue. So the first, the first half was, was fine. I spent it chatting with friends and, you know, dealing with the heat. I think it got up to like 90 degrees maybe. And just really focusing on fueling. I learned I really love pickles. That was nice. like a big thing for me. Um, and I Likewise. rolled into the, yeah, they're so awesome. They had little shots of pickle juice that there's one of this, the aid stations, um, at the very top of the peak, the highest point at this race is called, um, snow Valley peak and the Eagle scouts hike up backpack up the whole aid station and they ran it. And it's the coolest thing It is by far the best aid station I've ever seen at any race. I mean, they offer you whatever you can think of. In fact, the second time you hit it in the hundreds, so you hit it about mile 92, um, they offer you store. They offer you sorbet in three different flavors. What kind of aid station does that? For it's incredible. Remote, yeah, for a remote one, that is ridiculous. Oh, yes. Or any it's any a, anyone, but yes. So I mean, it, that if anyone's ever thinking of a beautiful destination race, I I can't recommend this race anymore. It's beautiful. But yeah, the first fifty is fine. I think I rolled in around thirteen hours, which was good for me. I'm not I'm not fast. I'm not trying to break any records. Just trying to survive out there. Yeah. Um, and, and I did, I rolled in and all my friends were waiting for me there and I got to pick up my first pacer. And so I, I have no, I wouldn't adjust anything at that point. See, I, for me, uh, I think Antelope Island was two loops. I like yeah. going on a race that is like point to point or like whatever. Like I like to run over a section and be like, I never have to run this section again if I don't want to. Yeah. Like, it's over. Yeah. So for me to do a section and be like, okay, remember that rock there. Um, uh-huh. You're going to have to go over it in the dark or whatever that – it just is more taxing mentally on me. Absolutely, Is, is yeah. that what you felt like? I think, you know, it's almost like two different races. Um Mile 30 and mile 80 of Tahoe Rim Trail is this kind of infamous. Um, it, it, the aid station is actually at um, a ski lodge called Diamond Peak. And then you climb, I think it's like 2,000 feet in a mile. I'm really not exaggerating there. It's a ton of climbing over. Uh, it's two-mile stretch, but the first mile is like kind of some switchbacks. And then you straight, shoot, shoot straight up the mountain. And so to know that that's lingering, you know, again, is kind of daunting. But it's all a different experience at night, you know? Yeah. And I, I hear crying in the background. It's yeah. just, it's <laughs> all too funny. familiar. It's all too familiar. Yeah. How um, dare I leave his... Luckily, I'm one hour ahead of you. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what were you feeling with as, as you're going through this? Because it seems like that was, you know, you're saying that's like a, a big focus and that you've had stomach issues in the past. Like, how are you doing yeah. your fueling? My feeling was fine. I picked up my pacer at mile 50 and then that was sort of my, I felt amazing. And then we do, you do a lot of climbing kind of right off the bat at Tahoe. Uh, and I kind of, that was my first low point was right there between mile 50 and maybe 60. And I was like, Oh, I, I think I'm a little deaf. I'm deficit now. I can feel, you know, you just can feel it in your bones. You just get weak and 
Yeah. Just the energy level, like physically, I'm, I felt fine, but just the energy le- level is just not there. So I was just trying to get to the next aid station, trying to get to the next aid station. Which, by the way, Hobart is the name of that aid station, and they have a full bar set up there. So if you're <laughs> one of those people, that, like I don't know, I couldn't do like tequila shots at at, at that point, but I don't know, maybe some people might want to. But I they have I've never like been drawn to alcohol during a race. Oh. Like, it's always, Whoa. I got to hit the finish line and then, like, I'll have exactly. the, the IPA or whatever. Um, but so, they had these, they made smoothies out of Insure, and I, like, chugged three of them, and it perked me right up. Like, this is something I never would have thought to do, but it perked me right up. So I was really just trying to, I know I need calories when I feel like that, and I just need to get them in. So whatever I could do yeah. is what my focus was. And that, and that worked, you know? And so how'd the rest of the race go? It went pretty good. I, I during the night, I, I think I was my definitely my lowest point, and I think I spent the whole night just surviving, and that's where I lost so much time just surviving. But then, you know, as soon as the sun came up, I, I was happy and I was running again, and I, I was running the last twenty miles, which I think I know at Angeles Crest it was basically one big death march the last twenty miles. So that's a positive. That's the best feeling <laughs> in the world, running through the finish yeah. line, like for the. For the last 10 or 15 or whatever it is, like, and it's pretty normal to feel lows, like, naturally, you know, you're, you're used to going to bed. And so trying to pull yourself exactly. out of that, it's hard. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so all I did was just learn for the next time, you know, what I need to work on. But to be able to finish and then to sit there and hang out and watch the rest of the finishers for a few hours was a new experience for me. Because usually I'm like, you know dead in the corner somewhere like a skeleton yeah so it's good I, I find it to be good that's that's hugely positive that's awesome and yeah. so you come through the finish line what's the first thing you go for food wise or oh, alcohol they had a, or alcohol they had, wise they had a taco truck oh just for the race and you just showed them your bib and you could get whatever you wanted i think burritos or tacos i got my tacos i think they also oh. brewed a special beer just for just for the race too so you could get that and they give you a mug actually or um like a like a stein a beer stein when you finish also so you're tahoe, all set tahoe rim trail is on my list now no, there's a taco trick you. at the a taco truck at the end like yes oh, and a beautiful awesome. buck that they engrave for you while wow. you while you finish yeah so would you have changed anything about that race um no i i don't think so i i mean i i think i should have fueled at night i didn't I didn't really take very many calories at night at all. I think that would have helped. But no, I mean, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Well, Kat, congrats. Thank you for the race <laughs> recap. And we're going we're gonna to dig in and do a full interview of you for um, a Patreon-only episode. Because cool. you're a mom of three. You work at Children's <laughs> Hospital. And somehow you're figuring out training to go you know, tackle Tahoe Rim Trail 100-miler and have the energy hey, to... Yeah, do that no, all. So, no, no excuses ever. That's awesome. Just get it in. Thank you, Kat. We'll um, yeah. we'll Thanks, hear Rob. from you soon here. Cool. Thanks, Rob. I'm joined here by Harry Jones. You might know him from his YouTube channel, Harry Runs. I know I've watched quite a few of his videos. Harry, thanks for joining me. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, I could have easily introduced you as sponsored athlete, professional ultra runner. I wasn't sure how to, you know, coach, 
Um, <laughs> you, you do a lot of things, and um, I, I truly do enjoy your YouTube videos. So thank you for you know taking time out of your day here. No, thank you, Matt, for having me. It's really cool to be here. Uh, yeah, I definitely like to keep myself busy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, just passionate ultra runner. And, uh, yeah, just try to share as much of my experiences as possible with everyone else and get us all out running a little bit more. That You know, that's what really initially attracted me to your videos and kind of, yeah, I checked out your website and everything. And, and you're doing this to, you know, not only motivate yourself and, and fulfill your own personal you know, running needs, but also to motivate people and and teach them and, and hopefully help them have a good time out on the trails also. I thought that was really uh, very cool of you. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, that's it. Like, uh, when I first got into kind of ultra running, uh, that was something I was really surprised with. There wasn't, I mean, there's plenty of blogs and um, obviously some fantastic podcasts and obviously the media is just getting better and better with it. Um, but when I first started, I really felt like there was a big kind of niche where, yeah, I know. I don't know. I've been into other stuff over the years. You know, I've been the drummer in bands. Uh, I've been done some climbing and, and other bits and pieces. And like YouTube is such like a, a platform where I feel like everyone kind of resorts to to inspire themselves or to find content, you know, or to binge watch videos, or whatever it is. And I was really surprised that there wasn't really that much content out there. So um, yeah, you know, I think like lots of people, I really kind of just started. I guess just filming what I was up to and sharing that with everyone, and then. Um, you know, it's great to see lots of people doing it now as well. And for me, it just kind of caught a bit of traction and I just kind of found my voice there, I guess. Yeah, I, I was close to trying to do my first interview via YouTube with you, but held off. Just I didn't want any ma <laughs> major like technical glitches or anything on that front. Um, yeah, yeah. So where where do you live these days? Because I've, I've seen a few videos where you, you live in Asia and I know you like to travel quite a bit. <laughs> yeah so i guess in in one sense i'm kind of a nomad i guess i really don't really have a kind of fixed base uh year round these days um so i'm originally from north wales uh, in the uk and then um yeah a few years back myself and my girlfriend we kind of started traveling a bit after we kind of finished university and uh, started kind of exploring the world a little bit and ended up spending a lot of time then in asia and settling down in chiang mai in the north of thailand um so after kind of a few years there, that kind of became a second home almost and started feeling, yeah, it started feeling very homely and really enjoyed it there. And uh, Chiang Mai is really where I started to kind of reconnect with trail, well, reconnect with running competitively and um, started really kind of getting into the ultra stuff there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it all kind of progressed from there. So I guess, yeah, technically the answer is I don't really have a kind of home base year round. Yeah. And um, these days I try and you know, try and spend some time out there to get some good training in over the winter and then explore Europe a little bit more in the summer and it really just try and move around with the races that inspire me or the races I want to train for. So I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I can kind of manage that right now. And um, yeah, so I just, like you say, you know, try and, uh, try and follow the races and try to, try to find the adventure along the way. Man, I, I totally agree with you on signing up for that race it just gets you out the door to train every day and like truly you know deep down motivates you not just you know i want this cool belt buckle but like yeah i mean maybe that is the case for some people <laughs> but you know what i mean like the one that truly gets you out there working hard and you know within yourself you're working hard and training smart um you know take a step back where where did you pick up running when did you start 
um, enjoying it as a sport, uh, you know, and taking it a little seriously? Yeah, so um, since since I was a kid, really, so in high school, um, first, yeah, maybe like the first week of high school, we had a, a cross-country lesson in a physical, in a PE class, and I never really considered running, like, as a sport on its own at that point, you know, I was just one of these kids who did lots of different sports, did a bit of uh, grass hockey, a bit of street hockey, uh, always in the backyard on my bike or playing basketball or whatever, so never kind of sat still very much. Um, so running just kind of came very naturally to me at that kind of young age. I had a lot of energy and uh, it just suddenly helped me to to kind of find balance and really find a place where I could put all this energy just because of the pureness of the sport. There was no no one in the way. It wasn't like, you know, with it not being a team aspect, it meant that, you know, I could run as hard as I wanted to, I could run as far as I wanted to and really push myself that way. So I ended up then getting channeled into, you know, athletics and, and track running. So Ended up kind of doing 1500 meters, 800 meters uh, as well, as my specialist specialist kind of distance as a as a junior, and then did that for many years, maybe up until the, up until university. I was still running 1500 meter in track, and then uh, obviously cross country and a bit of road in there as well. And then I guess towards the end of my university years, I kind of got a bit fed up with uh, traveling, and you know six hours or so to a track meet. To run for three and a half minutes or you know just under four minutes i guess <laughs> and uh really i enjoyed you know I, i've always enjoyed the training process and you know the science behind that as well and nutrition and trying to get the most out of yourself physically but i really started kind of losing disconnect i guess with that pure uh racing style and really yeah i just kind of fell fell out of racing for a little while um I've got so much respect for track runners these days and i think it's just such an amazing discipline to be so disciplined on your your distance and whatever that might be and i'm really glad that i kind of chose middle distance as a junior because i feel like it just encompasses the whole broad range of fitness that you can really develop as an athlete um but then yeah i guess then i kind of stopped racing for a few years uh, but always kept running and i guess a lot of my kind of runs were always trail runs if i was out running with the track guys you know and we were just out on an easy run i'd always want to hit the muddiest bit of the park or the trail or you know, make it a little bit hilly and a bit more exciting rather than just fast, flat road miles. Yeah. Um, so I think really it was just something that always was deep down inside of me that I was always a trail runner, but I just had been kind of funneled into the track system. And spending weekends in the mountains as a kid with my dad as well and my brothers, we were always in the mountains in Snowdonia, which is such a beautiful part of the world. And I just always connected more with the mountains. So yeah, after maybe a few years, at that time I was traveling as well. Uh, then I started running a lot more kind of in the mountains and really started making that connection and then started learning about this crazy sport ultra running and you know names like Scott Jurek and uh, really got inspired by these stories of these long races and you know like anyone I guess who finds ultra running I just didn't think it was possible at the time it kind of blew my mind and then when I realized it was you know not actually a thing and you could you know do these races for you know a day at a time in the mountains it just sounded like such an amazing experience and such an adventure so it was really yeah, so from that point forward, I just knew that's what I wanted to pursue. And and when did you first venture? I mean, was there one race that, that popped up that really kind of lit the fire? Yeah, so at the time I was in Thailand when I really kind of started hearing about ultra running. Um, and I think really I trained for a marathon and did the marathon. And then, uh, yeah, just really obviously being in the north of Thailand, uh, at the time there wasn't really a lot of ultra races around it was a very new sport in asia 
and uh, I was working a full-time job out there, so I didn't really have the time or all the finances, I guess, to kind of travel around to find races. And then uh, a race got put together not far from where I was in, in the north of Thailand called Thailand Ultramarathon, uh, which was, uh, well, was originally supposed to be 100K and I think around 5,000 meters of climbing. And the trails out there are wild and there's, you know, lots of uh, incredible wildlife and it's tough with the heat and the hills. Uh, so, yeah, I signed up for that. It you know, wasn't too far, maybe a few hours and more further north than where I was in Chiang Mai. And, uh, yeah, I just got really psyched for it and started training like crazy and uh, got really excited. So that's really where the journey began. And did you have success, like, right out of the gates? Because you seem to have transitioned from the shorter distances to longer distances. I mean, what was the time span in between there and what kind of modifications do you training were you making to make that leap yeah so i kind of stopped running track i guess when i was 20 and then my first ultra race was probably when i was god i can't remember now um i think that first one was maybe three or four years ago now and and then i didn't really do too much after that i was still kind of figuring out for myself and again just trying to figure out what was next on that journey um so so, yeah, I guess, you know, the time span was maybe four or five years until I started really kind of pursuing the ultra stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, my first kind of majorly competitive one was only maybe last year at the Hong Kong 100 where, uh, you know, the international competition was really there. Um, saying that, I did actually race the Thailand Ultramarathon in, again, in uh, 20, when was it? 2016, at the end of the year then, Tim Olsen was actually on the start line for that. So you might have heard, I don't know, I think uh, I think he talked about it on some podcasts. Um, so that was a pretty awesome experience because that was really my first 100K and uh, maybe the first time I'd really kind of properly, you know, trained successfully for 100K. And to be on the start line with someone like Timothy Olsen was pretty awesome to then run with him for maybe 50K of the race and kind of rack his, you know, rack his brains a little bit about, about this ultra running stuff and That's his awesome. favorite races. And it was such an awesome you know, experience to really kind of... Uh, yeah, kind of uh, lit the fire inside of me that I should really kind of pursue it and, uh, yeah, see where it goes. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. He probably shared as much as he could with you. I mean... Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And so I'm just trying to kind of lay out the pieces for the listener. I mean, so you seem to have transitioned that speed. Did you have any, like, was there a year where you weren't active at all? Or did you sustain this base level fitness throughout without any kind of, you know, major hiccup? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I guess I really kind of successfully maintained this base, you know, throughout. So from track to when I really started doing the the longer stuff, I was always running. Like I said, I was traveling at the time, which is for any runner, you know, the perfect way to get the motivation to go out the door. And then when I then ended up settling in Thailand, you know, every run was an adventure then because I was kind of finding all these new trails um where he was and like i said you know it's a bit different to what you kind of grow up with in the uk so it was always quite exciting quite fun um but yeah i've been pretty lucky with myself i think running's just always been a passion for me whether i've been competitive or not um like for when i wasn't racing and i was kind of settled down working full-time for a while i was always running back and forth to work always work commuting and it was always been a passion always something i loved but i just kind of wasn't sure where i wanted to go competitively i didn't really have a competitive fire for a while um, but definitely over these past few years, I've kind of really started to kind of harness that and 
Yeah, I think the speed aspect is is interesting. Going from a middle distance background, um, having that kind of speed, and then using it in these longer ultra races. Yeah. Um, obviously, the sport's seen a massive influx of that over these past few years. A lot of these faster guys coming in, especially you Americans. Um, so it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's quite an exciting time. I think when the sport is really developing and especially as you kind of get more and more competitive with it. Um, at the kind of highest levels, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a slow, easy race all the time. Um, some of these ultras are run pretty damn fast now. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, even middle of the pack's getting faster, I think. Mm, yeah, I'm <laughs> back, sure. I'm back sure of the pack, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we could go through each of your races probably a whole episode worth. I mean, you, you won a lot of races. I was very impressed. And what really caught my eye, I mean, selfishly, you know, I, I got into the CCC lottery this year. And awesome. uh, and so, of course, that's my first YouTube search. And so you, <laughs> I think in 17, did a whole series of, of your training regimens into CCC and man, you crushed it out there. I mean, that's not an easy race and it's super competitive. And for you to, you know, it, I believe you said it wasn't like the best race you've had, but I mean, you took 23rd, which in that field's unbelievable. Mm. Um, I did want to take some time and, and talk CCC with you. And I know you have it coming up. Is that correct? In 18 also? Yeah, I'm back here now for, uh, yeah, redemption, I guess, really trying to search for, uh, yeah, a top 10 finish this year, if not better. Um, yeah, last year was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but, yeah, the training was, was really great leading up to it. I felt maybe as fit or as strong as I ever have. Um, but I think on race day, you know, it's such a, it was a bit overwhelming for me. You know, it's such a, a big deal out here. These UTMB races are a massive, massive events and you've got helicopters flying around and, you know, any ultra I'd done previously to that, you know, there hadn't been that many runners compared to the sheer number of people you've got kind of behind you chasing you or just the depth of field, like you kind of mentioned there. The, you know, if you look at the elite start list, there's in, in most ultras, maybe there's five, ten guys who are, you know, really, you know, gunning for it at the front. You know, not to kind of discredit anyone else back in the field. Obviously, there's always many talented runners. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the CCC or UTMB races, it's just so many incredible runners and so much talent out there so it's just so exciting you know it's brilliant to be around that many enthusiastic and that kind of high competitive race i think last year i just kind of let it get to me a little bit too much and kind of stressed myself out early in the race when maybe i wasn't feeling as fresh as i should have been or maybe pushed a few to downhills a little too hard and then just kind of struggled to find the gear that you know you you kind of hope for on race day so uh yeah so i'm back this year and uh yeah, as I said, here in Chamonix now, so I'm really trying to figure out the course as best as I can and be really familiar with it for race day. So how would you describe, for the listener's background, CCC? I mean, it's, I, I describe it briefly just as like the sister race to UTMB. It's it's relatively new. I mean, it's it's been around for, what, 10 years at least? Yeah, I'm not sure how long it's been around. Um, but yeah, so CCC is essentially the last 100 kilometers of the UTMB course. Um, yeah, so, you know, maybe in the previous years, it hasn't been quite as competitive, you know, maybe been more of an entry race into UTMB itself. 
Uh, but I think these days, you know, if you've got people like Hayden Hawks turning up like he did last year and running so incredibly fast and <laughs> so many of the other guys just absolutely smashing it, I think you can definitely uh, give it the um, the respect that it deserves that, you know, in itself, it, it's a very competitive, fast 100k race. I think there's 6,000, uh, just, just over 6,000, yeah. yeah, so just over 6,000 meters of climbing, so it's super steep in places. Um but the trail is just so spectacular. Um, you're not quite circumnavigating the whole of Mont Blanc, obviously, like you do in UTMB. But from from Italy, where you start, you're running from Italy and Courmayeur um, down into Switzerland and then back into France. So you're covering, you know, three countries in one day, essentially, and having the most amazing view of the mountains and the glaciers. And it's just incredibly spectacular. And obviously, the atmosphere is uh, is pretty impressive in itself. What what is your favorite part of the course, or one or two uh, favorite parts, and then your one or two least favorite parts? <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess my favorite part, I think last year, as soon as you get up to the top of the first climb, um, when you're running on the Italian side there, the views of the backside of Mont Blanc are just incredible. Um, massive glaciers. It just kind of blew me away. It was just, you know, it's if you haven't been to the Alps before, I don't think, you know, you see that kind of landscape very often. And uh, these mountains are just really special. So this, that Italian side is definitely one of my favorite parts. Uh, least favorite part had to be last year. Um, they actually changed the course a little bit due to the weather. Um, there had been a lot of rain at parts of the course. So uh, they changed the, the last climb and it was actually really muddy and pretty technical and pretty slow going. It wasn't that it was incredibly steep. It was certainly steep in sections, um, but it was just that kind of frustrating trail when you're trying to build a pace, trying to build a momentum when your legs are already tired, you're already exhausted, maybe a bit low on calories as you are at the end of any ultra. Um, but suddenly you're trying to run, but you're sliding around a bit on rocks and it's all a bit muddy. And uh, obviously you've got the pressure of maybe people coming up to you towards the end of the race, yeah. uh, you know, overtaking you and you're trying to keep your head straight in the right game. And, uh, so that was definitely kind of my least favorite part. But then as soon as you hit that last downhill from the La Fragère, um, that's just always a great feeling, knowing that you're on the last descent of the race, even though everything's hurting. Uh, for me, mentally, that's always where I find that extra little boost again, just to really keep pushing just to get to the finish line uh, as fast as I can. Um, but yeah, coming down that finishing straight, whether you're, you know, whether you're one of the top guys or whether you're way back, you know, there's always plenty of people cheering and uh, giving lots of encouragement and support. So it's, yeah, it's always a good journey and good adventure. I'm not going to lie. My my goal is maybe top 500. I think that's mm. technically crushing middle of the pack. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Jason, who is a, a Patreon supporter, I have two questions specifically on CCC from, uh, the, from Patreon, Jason and Ben. Jason asks... Sure. Uh, ccc goal and then do you eventually want to run utmb yeah totally so yeah i think i already said you know briefly definitely top 10 is a goal uh top five is maybe you know like a goal awesome. um you know like the top top goal yeah um i've had some pretty good performances this year and i really feel like you know feel like i'm kind of tapping into my my, my kind of best potential i really feel like i haven't hit it yet um so i know it's going to be super competitive i know there's guys there who uh yeah, you know, there's you know, probably a good group of guys who have all got that potential. Um, but again, that's why I always love about ultras is 
it's not always necessarily the fittest or the strongest guys who will come out on top. You know, it takes a right. little bit more than that. Um, so, yeah, so I'm trying to give myself all the best uh, preparation with that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely my goal. Um, of course, UTMB is, is on my mind in the future. Um, at the moment, the longest ultras I've done are maybe 105 kilometers. Um, so I haven't done a hundred miler yet. That's Ooh. definitely a big goal for Ex- me. Extra 40 miles. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a long, <laughs> it's a long way to go. Um, so I'm not rushing it, you know, I'm really trying to get, you know, I think like a lot of athletes now I'm trying to be smart about my racing and really try and enjoy the process along the, along the way, rather than, you know, skipping all the kind of intermediaries between, you know, maybe doing your first 50 K and then getting really excited and then sign up for a hundred miler. I'm really trying to take my time with that process trying to uh yeah explore these you know 100, beautiful 100k races that are on the ultra trail world tour around the world and then you know work up maybe into planning next year and perhaps doing um lavaredo so that's 120k and then tds um which is one of the races out here nice. at utmb as well which is really tough from what i've heard it's a bit different from the other two races from ccc and utmb uh, a bit more technical and a lot of climbing and a bit more kind of rugged so i'm really excited by that aspect maybe next year to work into it and then, yeah, maybe then I think it would get me to 2020. And I feel like that sounds pretty cool uh, to go for 100 miler 2020. So uh, UTMB in 2020, I think, is my goal. That's great. I, I like that you're not rushing the process, um, especially because you're so successful, you know, at these big time international 100Ks. Um, so I, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's, it's really good to hear, refreshing, that you're not just going to gun for it, you know end of the well, year or something like that yeah like i've definitely been close to kind of making that decision like this year when i signed up for ccc uh, i had the opportunity to maybe sign up for utmb instead and yeah the finger got close to clicking on it <laughs> i'm not gonna hype um you know because you know like anything even though obviously all these races are well respected you know utmb is always you know is always going to be the highlight of the event you know the, all the races within the week obviously named after it and it's the the classic journey around the mountain so I definitely, you know, it's definitely on my sights for the future, but, you know, I've got time. I'm, I'm going to take my time to it and try and learn as much of the course or try and at least be as comfortable, you know, with the second half of it as much as I can leading into it. So, yeah, I'll give it a few years and then I'll be on that start line, hopefully. And so is, is Western States on your radar at all? Or do you have any ultras within the United States that you're like, this is a bucket list one um, that I have my eyes on? Or, or I mean... Do you enjoy a different type of, uh, you know, ultra race? Yeah, totally. So um, I think, you know, with my kind of background in middle distance racing, um, you know, I'm quite confident that I've got some leg turnover, some pace there. So I'm not always searching for the most mountainous ultras. Um, So I do enjoy, you know, flatter, faster races. And as I've, you know, said, you know, raced in Asia a bunch as well, which is always a different experience, you know, doing a few races in Hong Kong as well, which are kind of always a bit of a mix of trail and concrete and, so, yeah, you know, Western States, I think like any ultra runner, <clears throat> I know that not every ultra runner's kind of got it on their mindset, but it's certainly one that I think needs to be experienced. And every time I hear someone talk about it, just the atmosphere or the runners there or just the competitiveness. And yeah, yeah. again, with it being, you know, honed as, you know, the first hundred miler, it's kind of definitely on my mind. And I think the the trails in and the the scenery sounds spectacular there just something a bit different again and i like the idea that it's obviously quite a fast course um if you can move well you know if you're if you're a runner if you're a runner runner you know rather than just a guy who can hike hard and and keep moving well in the mountains so i like that it's a 
different discipline of a kind of race and then it would require it would require a slightly different training aspect towards approaching it so yeah western states is definitely a u.s race that's on my mind um for the future perhaps um but some of the sky races look pretty cool i think broken Arrow sky race looks pretty good fun as well i think that's in a similar area um, nice, nice easy one yeah, I mean, what would you... <laughs> oh, my God. Hard hard Rock 100, obviously, you know, a lot of people talk about that. And, uh, again, you know, I think the altitude aspect and those mountains look spectacular, too. So, yeah, you know, I hope to be in the sport for a while. So, hopefully, someday I'll manage to get over to the States and uh, try out some of these races. If you're ever in Colorado, just, you know, give me a ring. Let me know. Um, so, Ben's question is, what's the difference between your performance and you know at ccc and some of the top guys um i mean to me it seemed like you just had kind of an off day but and it seems like if you're gunning for the top top 10 this year i mean you're pretty close to you know making that one one leap to becoming you know the household name i mean what's what, what's the difference between your running and let's say a hayden hawks um, yeah, well, I mean, Hayden is obviously um, an insanely talented athlete, so I don't really know if uh, if I could be compared with Hayden. Um, he is pretty pretty fast. Uh, he was in Chamonix for a while. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't manage to connect for a run. I think he had to kind of leave uh, for a few of the races in Sweden. Um, but yeah, talking to and running with a few of the guys that were training with him, they were just yeah mind blown with just the pace that the guy has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for myself, like I said, I think it's a process, and I think figuring out how how the training suits you and how it works for you. I think last year really what uh, was my downfall. I was super fit, you know, I was in a good a good position with my fitness. I think really I just kind of neglected the speed work and the leg turnover uh, for CCC. I kind of. I really anticipate it to be a lot more technical than it was. Um, I don't know if that's because I've got a bit of a background running on technical terrain in the UK, doing some foul races mm-hmm. and um, some of the races there, or some of the mountains, obviously a lot more rocky and and tough. And with the trail being as popular as it is um, out here, and um, you know that kind of trail Mont Blanc uh, route, um, some of it is actually really fast and really runnable. And, I, and last year, I just think I really struggled with that aspect. In the training lead-up, I was actually in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in Spain, and a lot of the running around there was just really rocky, uh, really tough running, and really hard to carry pace over. And it meant that I was feeling really strong. I was at altitude, and I was, you know, running and training, getting lots of it, and uh, fitness-wise, in a great place. But just didn't quite have that speed for race day. And I think when it comes to CCC in particular, um, it's actually pretty fast in spots. If you can if you can move well on the mountains, you can really hammer some of those downhills and really um, really get some great pace on. So that's been something I'm really focusing on uh, within this training block. It's been a bit difficult with so much incredible vertical to be had around here and so many awesome trails in Chamonix outside of the you know the UTMB course or the CCC course. Um, but yeah, you know, for example, yesterday I did some good kind of threshold work some good tempo work and a bit of a uh, hard intervals on the track just to really keep the pace up and keep things diverse and keep the body yeah keep the body guessing and and building strength and speed at the same time it's super wise and you're not the only one uh that said that i've heard that from jason schlarb and mm. just this weekend claire gallagher was saying yeah the runnability of some of those sections um make it not necessarily easy but you know it's one less thing to have to worry about 
um, if if you are going to push the pace. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, what's just kind of wrapping up CCC and, and truly appreciate you sharing all these really unique insights. I mean, what, what are your thoughts going into the race? Like, what do, do you have... Like, do you feel comfortable right now going into this? And I can't imagine knowing how painful <laughs> going for top 10 has to feel like, um, like what, yeah, what are definitely. your thoughts on, on going into the race? Yeah, I think this year I'm, I'm mentally in, in a bit of a bad position. I feel, I think last year I felt like, um, yeah, I just didn't quite feel confident in my position as, uh, you know, as like an elite trail runner, I guess. Um, I feel going into the race this year that I've kind of got some good results behind me, especially this year and a lot more 100 Ks in my legs, a lot more experience there. And I think experience really, really always plays into your favor. And uh, the season's gone well so far with some good results in Australia and Switzerland uh, last month. And I've just kind of within myself, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, anyone else's opinions, um, really just for my own mindset, you know, just to be comfortable in my own head that knowing that yeah, you know, I can push with some of these really fast guys and I can run my own race and finish strong and, you know, really chase those those fast times and those positions that I think I'm capable of. So I think that's always a, such an important aspect, which maybe people don't always talk about quite enough. You know, a lot of people obviously focus, focus on the training aspect and, you know, obviously that's so important when it comes to the ultra. You can't kind of fudge or pretend uh, that you put the hard work in when you stand on that start line. But making sure that your head is really in the right place and that you're excited for the race, but at the same time, keeping a lid on that kind of excitement and nervous energy on race day and just keeping calm and staying to your race plan. And I think, you know, for a race like these UTMB races where there's so much excitement all around you, you can really get lost and carried away in the effort and the intensity that maybe other runners are passing you. You really have to stick to your own game plan and realize that there'll be a lot of people ahead of you who will either blow up or, you know, um, gone out far too hard or if you pace it well you know you'll just come through strong in the end and so that's really what i'm aiming for just trying to be confident in my own ability and just listening to my own mindset my own body my own legs on race day and if that means that maybe i don't perform as well uh from a position standpoint um really as long as i know that i've given my all and run the best time that i can for the day then i'm going to be really happy with that and that's all that you can really ask for if your body when it comes to a race is just putting out the best performance that you can on that day and being proud of what you've achieved because with an ultra it's it's just all about that training process as well and making sure that you enjoy that and don't just think of the big picture at the end of it really enjoy the process and make sure that yeah you're turning those training runs into adventures you're sharing them with friends and you're seeing yeah some great fitness benefits but also just some great memories along the way i couldn't agree more harry that's awesome um kind of shifting gears slightly um what should I expect from the aid stations at CCC? Yeah, so the aid stations will be, yeah, really well stocked up. Um, they might be a little bit different between Italy, Switzerland, and France, um, having like a bit of a kind of local um, side to each of them, I guess. Interesting. Um, but last, yeah, uh, so last year I found that they were just perfect for me. Really, for myself, when I go into an aid station, I kind of just tunnel vision on the water the bananas, the oranges, and then usually I'm kind of out of there. Um, but really, you've got everything that you would ever need there. You know, nuts, seeds, biscuits, uh, crisps, uh, sorry, chips, I guess, in the States. Um, yeah, so you've got your salty stuff, your sweet stuff, your fruit. 
um, lots of water. Yeah, really well stocked up aid stations, and you shouldn't. Yeah, you know, there shouldn't. It's, I'd be really surprised if there's anything there that you need that isn't. So, uh, is yeah. wine available? There? Um, and cheese. I didn't... I'm trying to. <laughs> I've I've heard yeah, there's like I've, some I've, somewhat yeah. you know different um, cuisines there. <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories that there's cheese and wine and stuff. Uh, I'm a vegan myself, so obviously cheese isn't something that I'm uh, looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe some uh, vegan wine when you're hurting could help. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure. I didn't see it myself. Uh, okay. Always try and kind of go through that fast. But, I mean, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Without any doubt, it wouldn't surprise I me. I always go for watermelon and pickles. Like, I don't know what's yeah. wrong with me. Is that... Is that <laughs> Together? Um, uh, I mean, sometimes. But mostly yeah, it's like... Sandwich. It's watermelon. Like, always watermelon. Yeah, like, yeah. So just put it in. Um, is that something that's available? Watermelon and pickles and that sort of stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the pickles. Um, yeah. yeah, pickles are great, though. Yeah, especially if you're having a bit of a cramp and stuff. Um, I've heard that people yeah definitely find that helpful. Uh, watermelon, I'm pretty sure there was watermelon last year. Um, but yeah, watermelon is always something that I go for. Um, there is plenty of watermelon. Um, yeah, around at the moment with it being summer, so I'm sure that on the race course you'll find some watermelon pretty good. And that's yeah, that's always great. Just keep the hydration up and to get some uh, yeah something easy in the stomach just to fill it up that little bit. Yeah. Let's, so um, let's talk about your diet a little bit because I. Sure. I've tried all sorts of diets. I've tried basically everything. Um, and I've had a lot of listeners and a lot of athletes I've talked to that are vegan. Um, mm. And I've had athletes that are keto and paleo and vegetarian and like legitimately will eat anything. Um, so tell me like when did you become vegan and and when did you see, you know, I mean, are you vegan uh you know for your athletic endeavors or, or sort of fill me in on that background also yeah so um yeah i guess you know originally i kind of made the switch um so initially i made the switch to vegetarian uh whilst we were traveling we we're actually with my partner my girlfriend uh we were actually in india at the time and um we were doing um well she was already a vegetarian but we were doing a lot of kind of animal work with rescued animals and uh, I really started kind of making that connection with animals and really, you know, looking after sick and injured cows or, yeah. you know, dogs or anything like that. You kind of start seeing, um, you know, if you're truly looking an animal in the eye, you start seeing that there's no real difference in personality between a dog or a cow or anything like that. You know, they, they're always, you know, so grateful of any help that you give them or can really be a companion as well at the same time. So it's to me, I started kind of making that connection and thought, well, you know, I wouldn't eat a dog as I'm sure most people wouldn't. Um, I don't really need to eat cows and, you know, don't really need to eat meat or anything like that. So I kind of started making the change and then really it was just a gradual change over time. And then before I knew it, I, I hadn't eaten meat for a long time and I felt really good. I felt really strong. And there was definitely a part of me at the start that always had that in my mind as, you know, coming from a competitive running background thinking, you know, I need to eat meat to be strong and to get my protein and, and all of this. And as soon as I kind of eliminated it, I, like I said, I was surprised. I felt great. I felt lighter, I felt faster and more energy and didn't really have that kind of full lethargic feeling after meals where you feel like you can't move for days or I just always felt full of energy and ready to go. And um, so I knew that at that point, the vegetarianism was something that was good, definitely going to stick around for me. And then obviously with that connection to the animals as well, I felt pretty strong about that. 
And then over time, yeah, I guess it just kind of a gradual development into veganism started kind of cutting out eggs and dairy. And uh, um, yeah, and then, you know, to start thinking about what's in, you know, what's in all the products and that you're eating. And I guess at the same time, it was kind of cleaning up the diet, really just focusing in more on whole foods and plants, you know, to make sure every meal is just as nutrition, nutritiously, sorry, I can't talk right now, um, as much nutrition as there was, there could be on the plate. So really focusing right. in on the veggies and, you know, the beans and the brown rice and just start feeling again, that's that extra level of energy and um, really focusing in on the fresh fruits and with the training and especially if, if I'm in the hotter climates, you know, having, you know, great, you know, smooth fruit based smoothie in the morning, or maybe just even simply, like you said about watermelon, just having half a watermelon and a load of bananas. And then, you know, before having some oats or anything like that, it just felt so good. And so, so energetic energizing just for the body especially when you're training hard and i think that's always the most important thing especially as an ultra runner when you're trying to train maybe you know twice a day and you're trying to put in big miles or big runs recovery is such an important aspect and recovery is really something that i really felt took on that extra gear when i when i made the strip when i made the switch into veganism so um yeah it was kind of a no-brainer for me it was definitely a gradual change it wasn't an overnight switch like some people do um, it was just kind of eliminating things over time. And I think I think really that's why it made such a big impact on myself and why I'm so kind of motivated to talk about it to people is because it is such a, a rewarding way to eat. You know, a lot of people think, ah, oh, I can't go vegan. I won't be able to eat this. I won't be able to eat that. What can I eat? And that was definitely on my mind before, well, definitely on my mind when I was a vegetarian even. I would think, okay, I've gone vegetarian now. There's no way I could go vegan. What, what am I going to eat then? Um but yeah, it's soon, you soon realize that really, you know, meat, dairy, eggs um, are such a small part of the foods available in the world that there's no end to incredible foods that you might find or start eating or, you know, meals that you can create. And with it being such a you know positive aspect in so many different levels of your life um, or, you know, not to mention the impact that it can have on the environment um, in a positive way going vegan. Um, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for me and uh, definitely started to be something that just really I became really passionate about nice yeah I I appreciate you sharing that because I I mean I share my own like diet background occasionally just because people are curious um, but I I don't push one one thing or the other I think everyone finds what works for them and yeah you know it sounds like this is more than just food for you so that's really mm. cool that it's meaningful um, and impactful. And I'll tell you what, Rich Rich Roll had a cashew-based cheese recipe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when I was vegan for quite a few weeks, maybe a yeah. few months, I would make uh, you know tacos with beans and put that nacho cheese on it, and it was yeah. ridiculously good. Like, Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I uh, think that's, that's the cool thing about it as well. Like these days – you there's you don't have to give anything up essentially there's always a vegan version of it and yeah for sure you know just because something is vegan or plant-based it doesn't mean it's healthy there is certainly lots of yeah. stuff out there you know Ore oreos are uh, vegan essentially i don't know if they are in the states but yeah. um, in europe they are and obviously they're not the healthiest food for you but yeah you know i think for anyone the most important thing whatever kind of diet you are following you know there's always going to be benefit in adding veggies and you know fruits into your diet um, just really focusing on nutrients there and um, just being sensible with what you're eating and the diet choices that you're making is always going to be important for you, whether you're training for 
yeah, your athleticism or just for day-to-day living because, yeah, it sucks living if you're not enjoying your life because you're not eating well or optimally for your for your life. Yeah. And I got two other just minor, like, dietary uh, questions. I mean, half the reason I reached out to you is your love for sweet potatoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a staple that just worked its way into kind of my pre-race weeks going into races and awesome they taste so good i use a low sugar ketchup which initially was like the worst tasting thing ever and now (laughs) i taste regular ketchup and it tastes like candy almost like it has so much sugar in it um when when did you start eating sweet potatoes and and (laughs) just tell me more about that i think you did a whole video on it too right yeah that's quite an old video now wow yeah um yeah, I think sweet potato is really, um, I think, uh, I don't know when I really started kind of going crazy for them. But I think once, yeah, you know, once you've kind of started buying sweet potatoes, you know, as a regular thing. And it's like you said, it's just so easy just for it to become the daily staple, almost just baking sweet potatoes or sweet potato fries or, you know, um or just sweet potato mash or in like a yeah. kind of a soup or anything like that. Just it's so obviously... You know, it's it's a potato. It's nothing special about it, essentially, but it just tastes incredible, um, and just so nutritious at the same time. And uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a staple for me, I guess. And uh, yeah, it's usually what I go to the night before a race. I really enjoy them. Yeah, same here. Uh, I've, it's yeah. it just doesn't make me feel horrible. It's like a, it's almost like a cheat. It's like a carb load, but it's not a carb load. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you don't get that glycemic reaction. Um, so do you, last question on food, do you take any supplements because you're vegan? Um, cause I know there's occasionally it's difficult to get, um, adequate amounts of iron and, and some other, uh, vitals. Do you take any supplements at all? Um, not, not really too regularly. Like uh, I do take a B12 supplement. Um, you know, B12 is often something that's talked about. Um, but it's important I feel for any athlete, no matter what you're eating, um, to really take a B12 supplement um, or anyone at all, really, um, because I think a lot of studies do show that a lot of people are actually quite deficient in B12 or do, you know, do struggle to really optimally absorb it from their foods, no matter if they're eating meat or anything like that, um, because naturally, evolutionarily wise, it would be something that we would be taking in all the time. You know, if you think about we being our veggies from the ground, they wouldn't all be processed water. We'd be drinking from streams. And it's a, it's a microorganism or a bacteria even that lives in the soil. Um, so these days, you know, the way that we intensively wash everything, you know, water is treated and it's very difficult for us to really get enough B12 in and it's such an important nutrient. So really that's the only thing that I really supplement regularly. Um, maybe now and again, I might have, uh, a few other bits and pieces, but, but really I think that's it. Uh, iron is something that I don't really worry about. I just really focus on getting some leafy greens, uh, throughout the week. Um, which is, you know, salads always something that, you know, some maybe not everyone's always eating or too psyched to eat. But I think, if again, it's the same thing. You know, if you get into a great routine of eating a bit of salad or adding more leafy greens into your meals, you will feel the benefits. Yes, and, uh, feel super, great for it. Super high, high in iron. Um, it worked for Popeye, so yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm going to switch into just a little bit quicker responses maybe a little bit more sure. ran- random type questions. And again, appreciate your time here. Um, 
start off, I mean, you've traveled the world. What's your favorite um, city? Do you have one city that sticks out in your mind as like your favorite trail running city? Oh, wow. Uh, city, man. Um, uh, not really, but, you know, Chamonix is definitely uh, my favorite place for trail running. I'm, I don't know if I'm biased because I'm here right now. And obviously, as a trail runner, you know, where you're running or where you've had a great run within the past few days is generally your favorite place. But, <laughs> yeah, I would say that Chamonix is not, not quite a city, but, I mean, it's got everything you would ever need. And uh, it's such an awesome hub. So, yeah, it would have to be Chamonix. Do you do you drink beer? Uh, yeah, occasionally I drink I drink a beer or two. Um, yeah. And in just connecting those two questions, where in Chamonix can I get the best beer? Oh man, um, <laughs> where can I'm I buy you sure. a beer, Harry? After you yeah. make top ten, <laughs> I'm not too sure, but there's a nice place uh, to sit out. Uh, monkey bar which is quite popular so um i wouldn't know where the best beer is i haven't really explored too much while i've been here in terms of beers but um, but yeah i'm sure we can uh we can do that sounds cool yeah that sounds awesome um wildest animal encounter on the trails i mean i can't imagine <laughs> what you've seen because you've been everywhere but is there yeah. one one moment that sticks out in your head uh it would have to be in chiang mai north thailand where i train you know train a lot in the winter months um just the amount of snakes that you can see it's pretty scary um so yeah right quite regularly we'll see snakes out there especially oh, when was it when the rainy season starts kicking in so maybe may june time um so these past few months before i left to europe it was just insane every run you would see a snake or two and i mean you kind of get used to it and uh, yeah. i always try and kind of know the areas where you'll you're most likely to see them on the trails there um but yeah it always terrifies you to the extent where maybe you're hiking uphill and you know you've got a headphone in you listen to music and a lot of snakes don't really make any any noise to warn you up there anyway um but they're all pretty dose like they don't really seem to care too much so i'd be hiking up the hill and you know maybe a six foot snake would just kind of sliver beneath the, your front leg and just passed and oh, it's not really too bothered but it's pretty terrifying um yeah, so snakes, snakes. Have you come yeah. across any large cats at all? No, like uh, so it's like no, next level can... cat out there, probably. Yeah, no, I haven't, and uh, I know that in the north of Thailand there are jaguars around, or um, or some sort of panthers. Um, there was recently, unfortunately, recently one was hunted and killed, which is really sad um, because obviously they're quite rare. But, um, but yeah, I do know that there are some pretty spectacular animals out there, but. No, I've never seen any big cats, but actually one story, when I was in India, uh, we were traveling around, and I think we were in um, we were in Kerala or somewhere like that, in Manar, in the hills there, and I went out for a run really early in the morning, uh, did like a loop of the area, really beautiful mountains, really spectacular, and uh, got back and saw the hotel manager, and he was like, oh, you've been out running? And I was like, yeah, and he was just asked me where I'd been, and then suddenly he just looked terrified and explained that the route that I'd gone on, you know, not not too long ago, someone had been attacked by a tiger or something mm. like this. So uh, it's scary, but it's I think it's amazing. Whenever you see wildlife like that, I just find it so uh, so incredible just to know that there's still animals in the wild that, you know, deserve to be there. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's also scary. Oh, man. Um. So switching into gear-related questions, um, I, I got to open up, and, and people love this or hate this, toe socks, no toe socks? Have you ever 
ever used those I, before? Yeah, I have used toe socks before, and I actually found that I ended up with more blisters than usual socks. So <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not particularly a fan of toe socks, and I, I just kind of find it weird. And uh, people feel my... strongly like I've touched yeah. a nerve in the ultra running community here talking about this topic <laughs> i felt like i just felt like my toes felt this suffocated so uh maybe i was just wearing the wrong toe socks though um but, but yeah up a size harry come on like um <laughs> yeah. so let's talk about your sponsors and like what what type of shoes do you wear and and socks and just kind of working your way up with gear and and what's your favorite piece of gear that you have yeah sure so from the shoes uh, i wear hooker on yane um, my favorite trail shoe that I wear of theirs is the Speedgo 2. It just really works well for me. Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, Socks-wise, um, so yeah, a lot of my kind of um, clothing, I guess I wear Compress Sport. Um, so, so yeah, I like the Compress Sport gear. It works really well for me. Um, compression was something that I was never really into before. Um, but then as soon as I tried the Compress Sport stuff, it just, yeah, fits really well and didn't seem to get any chafing in the sensitive areas, which is something that is always obviously pretty important as an ultra runner to to avoid so yeah compress sport gear uh on the body and then nathan pack so the nathan vapor cry i really love that pack uh, the 12 liter one like works really well yeah works really well for me on the the longer races when you got the mandatory gear but yeah sits well and uh and yeah and then uh nutrition wise i use a uh, univert sports products um they work really well for me so i usually focus on kind of electrolyte stuff and gels within races just keep it really simple um and a few uh few runnable bars which are just like a date and chia seed natural whole food bar uh, maybe if you get hungry later in the race but yeah in terms of gear that's about it lecky poles will be what i'll be using in ccc as well do you use poles yes yeah i'm i'm in the works with lecky actually hopefully oh, here cool, cool. yeah they, they seem to be uh top notch i've used black diamond um just yeah. like last weekend uh but yeah I'm, I'm definitely planning on taking poles i'm i'm a slow hiker i i yeah. gotta say like i i came to the realization last weekend it's just like how do i speed that up like it, <laughs> like from your coaching perspective i mean if yeah. i came to you and was like okay i'm i'm signing up um let's do this you know i have ccc coming up yeah how do i train to utilize my poles better and how can i get up the mountain quicker because i'm i'm getting passed yeah. by like you know just about everyone in the race <laughs> <laughs> yeah certainly well um i definitely you know practice is going to be a big part when it comes to poles um you know some people don't find that comes too natural to them um i think you know if you've done a bit of skiing have you done ever done much skiing or anything like that in the past or yeah in the past i was i was decent yeah, yeah. cool so i guess you know it kind of comes a bit more naturally to using the poles and you know having that kind of extra limb there um but i think really that's the most important thing in terms of technique is just thinking of it as an extra limb you know it's an extra pair of legs that you've got to push off the ground so you know it'll certainly take a bit of pressure off the legs but it'll obviously add that extra bit of pace as well if you're using them properly so what i'd recommend really you know in terms of improving your power hiking and your speed with that is uh thinking of it you know almost as like a fart leg session so you know going up with the intent you know if you're on a long climb in training really going up with the intent of, of doing some faster bursts within there 
some slow hiking, some faster hiking as well. Nice. Um, really to improve mm. your ability, you know, to withstand that higher effort level and really training the muscles to, to move at that faster pace. Because that's something you certainly see in Europe with a lot of these guys doing a lot of, you know, ski mountaineering in the winter. You can tell who those guys are in the race because when it comes to the hiking, it doesn't look from a distance like they're moving much faster, but you'll see them just tear away from you. But they're just taking these such strong, powerful strides. And, you know, that just comes with training. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of that, maybe a bit of weighted hiking as well, maybe going out with a heavy pack, maybe a bit of extra water in there so your legs are having to work that little bit harder so that you're used to the extra weight, the mandatory gear that you're going to have to carry on race day. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of guys, yeah. yeah, a lot of guys, you know, in training will just go out light out the door, which is what we all enjoy most, you know, just taking out light pack and just the essentials. But when it comes to race day and you've got to, yeah, you know, you've got to carry your jackets, your spare layers, your you know, all the water, the nutrition, it adds up fast. So I definitely say make sure you're training with the pack and training with intent when it comes to the hills, really. That's just the main thing, just not getting complacent and just keeping yourself focused and working hard at them. And, uh, yeah, within time, you'll start feeling stronger. I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to utilize um, both those tips. And, I mean, I, last, last question, poll related, like when my legs – are matched with the poles you know step for step and my yeah. arms are going up with each step um is is that what you typically will do or you know you can use both arms at the same time and then kind of step into it um, yes yeah, so, like which, which method do you use or do you use both yeah i think it's important to really kind of master both you know if you're going on rockier terrain then maybe you kind of just have to be able to adapt to what's in front of you. If you've got a nice grassy slope, then obviously you're you're totally in control of where your poles are going and where you're putting them down. And, you know, it's no real issue there. But if you've got, you know, a rockier section, maybe one side is a bit grassier and it's a bit easier to plant one pole than the other, then, you know, you need to be able to think on your feet and be comfortable really with that. Um, but, yeah, I use both techniques and I train both techniques. Again, you know, it's like, it's like any aspect of going uphill with, with the hiking or – you know, it feels good to, to hike certain sections, but it does feel good to run with that faster cadence and shake the legs out. And it's the same thing with the poles. You know, if you're using, you know, alternate arms or if you're using the arms at the same time, it just feels good to mix up that rhythm. And generally on the really steep stuff, I'll be using both arms at the same time to kind of drive yourself up forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tech, usually, you know, if it's a more of a kind of a good rhythm on the climb, then I'll use, you know, opposing arms and really try and, uh, power up it as, as best and efficiently as possible i think you know the most important thing with the poles technique is i feel like when you when you really nail it in training you know when you've been practicing a lot you can really feel that you know it really feels comfortable and feels beneficial rather than you kind of flaming around a little bit so um i feel like it's just one of those things that clicks so you know just get the practice in and work hard with it and then when you've got it you've got it there you have it that's the uh I'll call that the uh, power hiking pole coaching session <laughs> by Harry Jones, sponsored by yeah. Lucky. <laughs> yeah, that I'm was not awesome. saying I'm, I'm the best, but but yeah, you know that's that's my experience at least. So two two last questions. What is your favorite YouTube video that you've ever put out? Do you have one or two videos where you're like, I nailed that, and uh, you know you're you haven't had to watch it again like you just 
Um, yeah, so I'm quite fortunate that my uh, girlfriend, Louise, does all the editing uh, with the films. Um, so, okay. yeah, so, so I can't take, I can't take all the credit for that at all. You know, it's definitely team effort when it comes to the videos. Um, she's the kind of the brains and the art side of things with that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, so I really, really enjoy the fact that it says working together in that aspect. Um, I think it puts a good perspective on it. You know, if it was just me doing, doing the editing, then it, it probably would be a little bit, a little bit kind of, uh, it wouldn't be quite as, as well done these days. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of favorite stuff, I think it's it really the most most recent videos. We've been working really hard at trying to really bring out the best quality that we can and um, you know put a bit of money down to get some, uh, you know, get a nicer camera and a better microphone just to make the, the experience better for the viewers. So that's something that's really important to me and uh, you know making the experience as good for everyone else just to keep inspiring others to get out the door and you know sign up to these races or just to challenge themselves and yeah you know like i've said already you know the, the content and the media with trail running and ultra running is just getting so good and better and better you know people like run steve high and obviously sage and beer and max productions and then there's a great guy a uh, friend of mine dan whitehead i'm not sure if you've seen his videos they're pretty cool yeah. as well so yeah you guys did think, a collab, collab yeah, type yeah, we're, there. yeah we were out running and he was filming so um so yeah, you know, just trying to improve it. So yeah, anyone who's watching, and please, you know, check out the channel. And uh, recently put out a video from my race at Iger. So um, I hope that you guys saw can that. enjoy that. I'm reading that book. I I thought I saw you reading that book too, and I thought that's so weird. Um, <laughs> wow, no way. <laughs> yeah, I'm re I'm reading that before I go over um, just to have something to read and think about. Um, yeah, definitely subscribe John, to Harry's yeah. YouTube channel. Um, I do. I, I definitely get each of your updates. So, cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, Harry runs. That's the channel. It, last question. I I ask this to almost every guest. Um, what's your advice for someone who's run a half marathon, handful of marathons, and is thinking about taking the leap into ultra running? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, it depends what kind of ultra races they're inspired to do. Um, if they've just done kind of, you know, half marathon, marathon road stuff, which, you know, I guess is probably where most people come from. Um, I'd say just take your time and just really figure out the trails first and foremost. You know, there's no need to rush up to 50K, 100K races, 50 milers or, you know, 100 miles, I guess, in the States. Um, typically, you know, there's always lots of great, you know, half marathon trail races or marathon trail races or anywhere between that. And, you, you don't have to rush up through the process. You know, if you want to do ultras and you, you want to do ultra trail races, um, you really need to be comfortable with the trails. And uh, if you're going from a, a road marathon, you might be a super fast road marathon guy, but if you haven't got the time or the training or the strength, uh, the balance even from running on the trails, it's going to be a big shock if you try and jump into a, a trail marathon or a trail 50K or something, uh, especially if it's technical. Maybe, you know, if it's a you know, pretty runnable trails and quite buffed out, then it'd probably be pretty easy. But if it's going to be rocky and steep and lots of climbing, then you need to be specific to that. So don't rush the process. You know, it's it's uh, a lot more fun when you do it the right way and you take the time and your body's ready for these things. Um, from experience, when I when I first ran my first ultra race, I just wasn't ready for it. So uh, uh, make sure you're ready and take your time. That's awesome. Harry, thank you for taking so much time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, if, if you make a top 10, you, you pick the uh, Chamonix bar and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you a, a pint. Um, awesome, man. Where, where can people contact you and follow you on social media and for your coaching services? 
Yeah, sure. So you can uh, contact me through coaching from uh, harryruns.com. So it's really simple. Uh, at harryruns on Instagram, uh, YouTube, harryruns. And uh, yeah, Facebook, harryruns as well. There's an athlete page there if anyone's interested. Uh, share videos and stuff on there. Um, but I think that's it, really. Yeah. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Rob. And really wish you the best of luck in your preparation for CCC. And I hope that. Yeah, I hope that we do uh, meet up when you're here and uh, you have a great race too. Awesome. Truly enjoyed it. Thank you, Harry. Awesome, man. Take care of yourself and have a great day. You too. And that was episode 54. Thank you, guys. Truly appreciate your support. Thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. And thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, and Bigger Than the Trail. I know we didn't get to Jen's interview, her race recap, and never summer this time around. Promise you we'll have it likely next week. I'm definitely going to talk to Jen because uh, her story is really cool. And, uh, yeah, finishing Never Summer is no joke. So hats off to her. And, uh, yeah, train smart. Don't forget to, you know, try to enjoy your training out there. You'll get out there a lot more frequently. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>